0: Hello friends, welcome back to the podcast. We're now in the month of June. We're halfway through the year, which is so insane to think about because I started the year off flying to Florida with a group of friends. We enjoyed FYA. It was such a good time. And then we came back home and I didn't realize we were just going to be on this marathon of bad times. And I'm hoping at some point we can move past it and get to be able to enjoy life again without so much crazy stuff going on. I was scrolling through Twitter the other day and saw some tweet about, or so a tweet that this guy did, and he tweeted out uh, real season finale vibes going on right now, and that totally rang true when I just sat there and thought about it. I was like, God, that's that's so true because there's so many crazy things going on in the world right now. And just to be clear, I don't support racists. Fuck the cops. And if you have issue with that. Please feel free to unsubscribe, unfollow, and do whatever you have to do. I just don't like that people have to question the protests and the riots. It's like they're happening for a very distinct reason, and it's been going on for a really long time. So if that's not clear to you that there needs to be change in the world, just please go do yourself a favor. Try to go do some real research and understand why these things are happening. They're not just... Going on for no reason. People want to be heard. So if you can support, donate money, go out and protest, just do whatever you can. But please just do it because you actually care. And that's all I really want to say on that because I, I don't want to get too deep. Uh, but this week on the podcast, we have on Jay from Take It To Heart, such an awesome guy to talk to. I feel like we had a similar start in Orange County just being able to reflect and talk to him about his early days. I felt like I could relate to him and I'm just a huge fan of his band. I remember some friends went to this uh, house show to see them and people reached out to me and mentioned that I had to keep an eye out on this band. So that is what led me to go to their first show, caught them live, thought they were sick. I remember talking to Ben, telling them that I think that they had a lot of potential and I was looking forward to hearing them grows the band, so I'm stoked to finally have somebody on the podcast from the band. And I'm just a huge supporter of Take It To Heart. So please, without further ado, welcome Jay to the podcast. all right and we're live welcome to the podcast jay
1: hey thanks for having me on buddy how you doing
0: i'm doing good man i uh feel like this is a long time coming i go back to the night bit. uh I, I think about the first night that, that we met and it was at some show it, i'm pretty sure it was at riff mountain and then afterwards a bunch of us went out to raising canes and yeah yeah and I, i'm gonna be honest i'm not the the biggest person on you know being social and going out and meeting new people and a bunch of people were like oh like you got to meet this new kid jay he moved down here from up north i was like okay like whatever like i'll meet him but i I never you know really i thought anything (laughs) of it i I figured you'd just be you know just cool a new kid to the scene awesome but um i like you know watched you uh you know participate and be around and uh you know be all over southern california you know orange county san diego la And seeing you start this band, take it to heart. I I feel like it's, uh, really awesome. And I'm stoked to see this like project take off for you and everybody else in the band. So like, I'm just like stoked to seriously to finally have you here. So shout out to you and all your friends.
1: Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate that. You know, uh, I moved here from, uh, like Santa Cruz in the Bay area, uh, almost three full years ago. So I'm like on my third year and, uh, I knew that once I got here, I was going to kind of start fresh a little bit. Um, especially when it came to hardcore, you know, like, uh, I was going to, I told myself I was going to meet some more people and, you know, kind of expand my horizons a little bit in that sense. And, uh, I don't know, man, I've, uh, I've been super happy to be here. So that truly really means a lot. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Now, I'm curious um, what made you move from uh, Northern California to Southern California?
1: So uh, my dad got a job in Costa Mesa uh, when we were still living over in like East San Jose uh, after I had just moved out of Santa Cruz. I lived in Santa Cruz for close to like 15 years or so. So like that's my real hometown um, or like home home area, if you will. And um, he got a job in Costa Mesa and was like, hey, you know, I'm going to be moving to Orange County. Uh, I know that's a place that you've been, you know. that that i had talked about before you know expressed interest in and uh he said you know you can come with me if you want um you know or you can stay here uh do whatever you want uh just let me know and uh, i didn't really take too much time at all to think about it because at the time i felt like i uh i needed something new i had experienced a little bit of like you know some like family tragedies and stuff and the around that time and just didn't quite feel like I was in the place I needed to be uh, in my life, or even just physically, like in the world. So I took him up on it and I said, "Sure, let's go." Um, I thought we were gonna be leaving like three months from then, but like four weeks or so later, we were in Irvine, and uh, it was uh, it was really quick, but it was so uh, it was so refreshing to be somewhere new and kind of you know, start to put my roots in somewhere else.
0: Yeah. I I definitely know how that is. Sometimes I I feel like it's better just kind of, you know, like rip the bandaid off and just kind of, you know, take these opportunities and go and not really like dwell or, um, you know, sit around and like let things linger and build up. I I feel like uh, sometimes in certain situations, it's better just to just pick up and go.
1: Absolutely. Uh, That was kind of my, that was my, uh, not kind of, that was exactly my thinking going into it. You know, this offer was presented to me to kind of pick up and you know go someplace new that I wasn't all too familiar with, aside from you know having been to Disneyland once when I was like four, but I'd always wanted to go back. Uh, and uh, you know I decided, you know what, Orange County is like a huge hub for hardcore, at least like what it was to my knowledge, because I really like Throwdown and um, all those you know OC metalcore bands and stuff like that super into that. So I decided, you know what? Hell yeah. Like I get to go and like be near chain reaction and like program and stuff. I'm all for it. So I, I decided, you know what? Let's rip that band-aid off and, and go. And uh, best decision I could have made. hundred percent.
0: Yeah. I, I definitely had a similar experience when I was still living out in Palm Springs. I was, uh, you know, going through like a rough time and, you know, just kind of sticking to myself. And by chance I was at the local super Walmart, and I, I can't even remember why I was there. Obviously, I was there to shop for something, uh, but I remember walking through the clothing section and I ran into one of my friends and he was like, "Yo, like, where the hell have you been? Like, let's get lunch. Like, let's catch up." So I was like, "All right, you know what? I haven't really been hanging around or talking to anybody for a bit. Like, so I'll I'll take him up on his offer." So we like linked up like later that week at a subway, and we we're just kind of you know just catching up and talking about how like we're kind of bored at that point in our life and we needed something new. And he kind of put on the table, like, hey, would you be down to move to Orange County? And I was like, you know what? Like, I'm down. Like, like let's do it. I was like, I, I told him if I could get transferred from work, I'm 100% in. Like, no questions asked. Like, let's do it. And he was super down right off the table. So, like, next day at work, I wrote a letter, uh, you know, with my intent to transfer. And it worked. I, I got transferred from Palm Springs to Orange County. And literally, I put that in at the beginning of the week. By, like, Wednesday, I got word, like, hey, you have to go after work today to Orange County to do some formalities, paperwork, whatever, and then you start on Saturday. So, literally, like, I had no time. Like, I I told my mom, uh, I was like, yo, like, I'm moving to Orange County on Saturday. And she thought I was playing a prank on her. And I told her, I was like, I'm not kidding. Like, I'm literally leaving Saturday. I don't know when I'll be back. And I don't think she finally took it serious until I, I showed up at her work with, like, the majority of my belongings, like, stuffed into my car, and like, telling her, like, "Hey, like, I, I'm not kidding. Like, I'm really moving. I'll see you soon." And like, wow. that—that's how it went. Like, I, I just picked up and went, and uh, never looked back. Like, obviously, I, I still love where I came from. Still have friends back there. Like, my whole family lives out there. But I, I just, took, I picked up and literally came to Orange County, and it's been ten years, and it's been a wild ride.
1: That's tight, man. You know that—that's crazy because it was so quick, and you know, so like rapid fire of just like you know what this would be a cool idea oh shit i have a couple days okay like i'll just get out there right now um that's wild uh but i i definitely commend you for that because for me uh moving from like the moving from upstate down here and having that only be like four weeks was uh that seemed like way too quick for me although uh in retrospect that's uh, exactly what i needed so i can relate to a to a degree there
0: Okay, so going back to your band, take it to heart. Can you talk about where the idea spawned to start the band, and how did you link up with uh, Ben and Eric? And I always forget your drummer's name.
1: Our drummer's name is Pat. He's a really sweet guy. He tends to cut out of shows a little bit early because you know what what he does for work. He's he's got to be up at like the crack of dawn, like four in the morning. So usually, like we play, and then he's like, "I got to go home so I can get enough rest to." to get to work um, so he doesn't get to hang around as much, but uh, he's but his name is Pat and he's great. And uh, we actually just uh, yesterday actually uh, added a second guitar player name's Daniel, uh, great kid, uh, incredible guitar player, super funny, uh, so happy to have him on board so we can like get that dueling guitar action going.
0: Okay, hell yeah, shout out Daniel and Pat. So can you talk about um, how the idea spawned for you guys to start this band?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So uh, I'd have to take it back to, like, late 2017 when I moved here because the first show that I went to as, like, a Southern California resident was at Program, and it was uh, Dare playing uh, with uh, Terror and Strife. And uh, I met Ben there. Uh, He was talking to Anaya, I believe, um, or somebody. We got to talking. And uh, he and I just clicked right away, became super fast friends. That day we decided, you know, hey, let's, like, jam sometime. And then for the next uh, almost two years, uh, he and I had tried to to start, like, a straight-edge band or, like, something that was, like, a bit more, like, foundation-sounding or something that had involved, like, the sounds of Bad Seed and stuff like that. And nothing was working out, like, we couldn't hold like a steady lineup and stuff like that. Um, And like, you know, like the drummer that we had uh, was our good friend TJ. He ended up uh, moving to Texas. So uh, that kind of put us in a little bit of a a rut. And um, we brought in Eric after, uh, you know, we had started to hang out with him and get to know him. And um, he's another transplant because he, uh, he moved to orange County from uh, Washington state. Uh, So, he and I vibed on on that wave pretty well. Um, another stellar musician, really everybody in the band is, but Eric's great. Um, well, we brought him in and one day when we were practicing, we were just kind of writing the three of us and we just were not gelling on, uh, you know, like ignorant straight edge type shit. And, uh, and we were just kind of messing around and we tossed around the idea of, uh, Doing something a bit more like melodic sounding. uh, And this was after Sound and Fury uh, last summer when Half Heart played. So it was kind of born out of that where we saw Half Heart and One Step Closer. And uh, all three of us were uh, big fans of, you know, Bane, American Nightmare, uh, Ruiner. Uh, set it straight stuff like that. And, uh, and we were just like, well, why don't we, you know, try and write some stuff around that. And then, uh, in the next hour or two, we had put together the skeleton for the first song that we ever wrote, which is on the, the EP. Um, and, uh, that's kind of how that started. We added Pat in cause he was uh, jamming with uh, Eric around in uh, another band called Iridescent. And, um, he joined up, rounded out the lineup, and then uh, from there, we were just like writing a song every couple weeks uh, whenever we could get together, um, and that's kind of how the band initially started. And uh, it's been it's been super fun ever since.
0: Yeah, I, I had some people reach out to me. Uh, you guys played, like, I I guess, technically your first show was at some, uh, house. It was like before your, you know, actual first show, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah,
1: it was on Halloween night.
0: Yeah. So I, I, had some people reach out to me. They're like, yo, uh, you know, Jay's band, uh, you gotta check them out. Like I, I saw them at this, uh, Halloween thing. They're like actually pretty good. And I was like, all right. I was like, um, I was like, I'll check them out whenever they like put out recordings or play a show and i remember i i showed up to the show a program you guys like actual first show and yes, and yes, and seeing the the reaction was like pretty insane because you had so much support and you know sometimes when bands um especially at, at time bands with like no recordings or you know hadn't done a whole lot like people will see them and just kind of you know stand around and just kind of like observe and try to soak it in but uh, somehow your guys' friends were all like in tune and knew the words, and kids we were singing along, going off. You guys did a cover, which went over pretty yeah. well. And I was just like so surprised. I was like, "Huh?" I was like, "I was like, this is crazy." I was like, "This new band popped off like really great reaction." I was like, "All right, like I'm gonna keep an eye on these guys, and like, I- I'm really stoked to have a-, a new band in Orange County hardcore." So I- I'm seriously stoked. Like on take it to heart.
1: Yeah. Dude, thank, and thank you uh, for that. You know, that's, uh, it, it's really cool, uh, you know, to, to know that we're supported. And uh, it was cool to see that at those shows, too, because we haven't played, we've played less, played like maybe a handful of shows, and that's it so far. Um, and uh, it's been really, really heartwarming uh, to be kind of formally accepted into Orange County Hardcore through uh, music like that. Uh, rather than just like showing up, participating, being about it as before. Um, but it's really cool that, you know, people, you know, give a shit and stuff like that. And, uh, the EP went over really well. Um, but those shows, man, those were bonkers. It was really cool. I remember, uh, when we played like our official first show at program, uh, you know, like we, we opened up the show, the place packed out and, uh. You know, we start our intro I and I turn around to look at everybody and uh, everybody had packed in and, uh, uh, some friends of ours went across the street to like, uh, is that the dollar store? It's right across the street from program. Yeah. Yeah. So they went over there and they got these little confetti poppers and they, and like throughout program, not that big of a space, but throughout that little sliver, they, uh, they all, uh, lit them up and confetti went everywhere right when we started. So it was really cool and, uh, had no idea that was going to happen. So it was a nice, almost little like welcome party, if you will. Um, that show went over well. And then, uh, the next show that we played was with, uh, dare and absence of mine and Zulu uh, program again. And that show was also really cool. Uh, um, totally blew me away that, uh, friends of ours had known the lyrics and stuff like that already. Um, and I think the reason why they got them was because, uh, you know, I had posted on like my story and we had all posted on our stories of us playing a specific part to one of our songs. Um, that was particularly sing, like kind of sing songy a little bit more sing along. Pardon me. And, um, they picked it up and it was really cool. Uh, So I don't know, I can go on about that forever. It's just so sweet and, uh, it feels good. It just, it really feels good. And playing music is all I really care about. So having that kind of a reception in a new home is very
0: cool. Yeah. And I'm really happy to see the camaraderie in orange County hardcore. Like I, I love that, uh, you guys were on that dare show uh, It was for their new tape release. And even talking to angel and him giving you guys praise i i think is awesome and it's really important for us even just like orange county locally like like you know we, we have to stick together and just like support each other which is hard sometimes i get it there's you know it's always stuff like going on but um obviously i, I love southern california as a whole but when I, it comes to orange county it's just like really special to me because i i live in orange county so when i see the younger bands the newer bands like you and dare and coming together and playing shows together i, I think that's like super awesome
1: absolutely uh shout out to dare shout out to angel because uh, i was listening to that uh episode of your podcast and uh to which i listen to every episode when i get around to it i'm a big fan but um when i uh when i was listening to that episode uh and i heard him start you know to talk about us and stuff like that it was it was very sweet. Uh, the praise that both of you gave uh, really uh, touched uh, all of our hearts. So thank you for that, truly.
0: For sure, and I, I appreciate you listening. I, I love when people um, tell me that they listen to the podcast. Is it's, it's uh, really awesome and um, great to hear. To and also awesome to know that I'm just not putting this out there and nobody's checking that. So whenever people tell me they listen, it's greatly appreciated. So thank you so much. Uh, but I, oh, absolutely want to dive into the, um, EP or would you call it a demo?
1: It's a, you know what? It it functions as our demo because it's the first thing that we've ever put out, Uh but we kind of wanted to stray away from like the demo core thing where it's like, Oh, the band put out a demo. They put out like a, a a cassette and then they put out another demo type of thing. Mm -hmm. We wanted to just kind of dive right in and say like, this is who we are. This is what we're about. We're refining our, uh, what works and what doesn't right now in, uh, in the practice spaces and stuff. But, um, uh, it, so it, it's kind of both, uh, but it's, it's an EP is what we tend to call it.
0: Okay. And I was curious about the cover, the artwork. Is there any particular reason why you went with the color red?
1: Um, you know, I don't, uh, I don't really think there was, I remember I, for some reason, really pushed for the color red and I don't know why I just really like red. It's like my favorite color. (laughs) So when we were, when we got the, uh, when we got the cover made, it was like this, like, it was like this like beige color and it was just, it just kind of looked really flat. And, uh, and I was like, well, can we like make it like red or something like that? And then like the color blue was thrown out and we're like, no, there's been like a million blue records that came out over the last year. Um, and uh, so I think Red kind of like set us aside from all of that because there was a lot of like uh, darker toned album covers that were floating around, um, especially with like bands like Knock Loose and Burials coming out with records that had a like a very deep blue on the record and people kind of that kind of going everywhere. Um, I think it kind of helped us uh, stand out a little bit um, physically.
0: Okay, for sure. I- I'm always curious about the artwork, and uh, just want to know if, like, certain things have special meanings, so I-, I always like to, you know, see if me overanalyzing, you know, uncover stuff, or is just, you know, there for a simple reason.
1: Oh, yeah, and the, I'm super into that, too. Like, uh, you know, when I see a band that's got an album cover that just kind of, it's striking but simple, uh, I-, I look at it, and I dissect the lyrics, I dissect the, you know, like, the where the band is from and see if that plays into it. So I definitely understand.
0: Okay. And speaking of dissecting lyrics, I I feel like, um, reading through the lyrics on the EP, uh, this whole thing is, uh, sounds really personal.
1: Definitely. Absolutely. It's, um, the record is, it kind of chronicles what was going on in my head, uh, leading up to me moving to Orange County because, uh, 20 like the back half of 2016 and then through to the end of 2017 was pretty tough. Um, you know, I uh, you know I wasn't really doing much musically. Anything that I tried to start was just kind of turning to crap a little bit. You know, and um, my grandfather had passed away, and then you know like and I was really close with him and I loved him a lot, and that was tough. Moved from Santa Cruz back into San Jose, and um, and I was still like trying to go to shows and stuff like that. But I just felt as if I wasn't as welcome. Um, and uh, and I know that that's not true because I still love to death all of my Bay Area friends. You know, like shout out Drain and Lead Dream and Scowl and Jawstruck. Um, all of those, all those you know guys and gals and stuff. Like I love them so much. Um, but for some reason back then. You know, I was in like this really bad depressive state and, you know, to whoever's listening who also goes through that knows that when you get into that state, uh, you kind of start to think a little bit irrationally. So I was under the impression that I wasn't wanted or uh, wasn't, you know, cared about anymore or anything like that. And uh, that ended up playing into me wanting to leave. Uh, Not because I was like, fuck these guys, because, never in a million years would i say that about me um but it was more so just like you know i felt like i wasn't wanted so um the first two tracks are about the depression you know and the the cycle that you kind of get caught in with that um so the first two songs on the record um, difference between me and you uh and uh, despondent are about that you know it's about uh, it's stepping into the shoes of somebody who is under the impression of something that just totally isn't true. Um, and then kind of getting bogged down in their own uh, cycle of, um, you know, being very anxious and uh, feeling downtrodden. So that's what the first half is about. And then like the last track, uh, uh, when the skyline meet is uh, someone saying, you know what, like, I know what i have to do so i'm just gonna go ahead and do it um and cutting out, going to find find your own place in the world
0: okay so i, I kind of wanted to um, break down each track individually and okay the difference between me and you there's this line wandering the desert of self um i was like thinking about that line so much because I, I feel like i do that a lot like i just kind of get lost in my head or i, I just do so much thinking and I like when I yeah. I was like following along with the lyrics, when I was listening to the song, I was like, huh, I was like, um, that is like the perfect way to describe. I feel like how I am most of the time.
1: Yeah, uh, that's you hit the nail on the head right there, because, you know, wandering the desert of self, uh, just trying to find my way back home. Um, you know, like uh, it, it kind of sparks an image. Uh, I relate a lot of my lyrics to uh, like uh, scenes in film and stuff like that. And um, there's a scene, and I believe it's uh, Quantum of Solace, a bomb film, uh, where you know they drop this guy in the desert. I could be totally wrong on this, but the, the scene makes me think of that movie. Uh, the guy in the desert, they drop him off with nothing but a can of oil. And they say, you can either drink this or you can just sit here and uh, dehydrate and die. Um, and that's what that part reminds me of. Like, that's what I was thinking of when I wrote that line and I was putting myself in those shoes and saying like, uh, with the desert of self being, you know, this vast stretch of land where there's just absolutely nothing. Um, and that being a, kind of a metaphor for, you know, getting lost in your head and not knowing the way out or how you even got there.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely feel that uh, when and I, I like relate this uh, to be when I first moved to Orange County, I, I had this illusion of uh, having like this tight circle of friends and I was going to have the best time of my life. And when I finally moved and settled in, I, I kind of got hit with reality, like, like, holy shit, these people aren't really my friends. Uh, I you know was getting, you know, stabbed in the back, left and right, and I was just like, I, I, I would find myself. Like sitting around thinking, like, why the hell did I do this? Like, like, yeah, like, I'm so friends with my roommate. Obviously, we wanted to change, but this wasn't the change that I was expecting. I, I thought things were going to be right. so much better on the other side, and when I finally got there, I was like, this isn't that much different from where I was at when I was home. And there were so many days where I was like, fuck, I got to figure this out. Like, I need to make new friends, or I'm just gonna pack up and go. And straight up, like. It was so hard for me for the first couple of years living here and just trying to start over, like trying to make new friends. Like I'm and, and this is like, you know, like whatever, like social media and stuff was, like was around, but I'm not just going to start like right. DMing random people like, hey, do you want to be friends? So like, yeah, it was just like really hard for me to <laughs> to go out and meet people. Uh, so um, eventually I, I did just like, you know, just by chance, you know, mutual friends or, you know, just people popping up on, on the Internet. But like, like it was so hard in the very beginning. And like I tried to go back home. I I was I saved up some money to break my lease and I was so ready to go but uh, I like totaled my car so like I had to stay which was a good thing like obviously like at the time when I told my car I was really sad but me doing that it like kind of forced me to stay because I had to use the money that I saved up to buy a new car and continue working and Mm -hmm. I just never left.
1: Yeah. You know, uh, there were times when I had first got here where, you know, the people that I knew in this half of the state either lived, uh, you know, like scattered in either San Diego or the IE, uh, you know, like a couple people in orange County, but I didn't know them super well, you know? Uh, so I just was like, you know what, I'm just gonna tread lightly, start showing up and I'm sure I'll start to meet people and, uh, you know, slowly but surely uh you know, I would run into a person at like a Chipotle or something like that. Or um I know that uh Evan Sodman, shout out Evan. Uh, I met him because I was at dinner at Lucille's in Irvine or tustin uh where he worked. And uh I was wearing a Fury hat. Or no, I was wearing a Fury shirt and uh and a hat that had like straight edge on it or like a neck on it or something like that. I can't remember. And um, I was at dinner with my dad, and he was our waiter. He came over. He was like, "Hey, what's up? My name's Evan. I'm straight edge too, and I'll be your server." And I was like, "Whoa, who are you?" And we like clicked right away. Uh, and through him is where I met, you know, like everybody else uh, in Orange County. And uh, so shout out to Evan really for uh, being one of the the first friends that I made here. Made it a lot easier because at the time I'd only been here for a few weeks, but you know the friends that I had super scattered uh not easy to to get around a place that you don't know very well especially because southern california is a completely different world than northern california similarities here and there but it's uh it's a whole nother beast so uh you know starting to meet people slowly uh slowly kind of reassured me that this was the right decision. so i get you
0: yeah, th- that's wild that that one chance encounter at, at dinner, you, you know, met Evan and then like this whole thing happened. That, that's so crazy to yeah. think about. like, like, what if you and your dad decided to go somewhere else or if you sat like at a different section of the restaurant and you didn't have him as your server?
1: Right. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, I had started to go to shows around that time and that's when I went to started going to program or if there was a show at chain, I would go. Um, and uh, after a while, what it started to, to be was, you know, Ben was like the first real friend that I made when I got here uh, that I didn't already know because uh, he and I clicked right off the bat. I was only here for a couple weeks. And uh, after that, I think we ended up hanging out every day for the next couple weeks. Oh, yeah. Um, and it was it was super immediate So any time that one of us would go to a show after even just like a month or two. Uh, start going to a show and start meeting new people. Uh, like if, uh, if he went to a show and they'd be like, Oh, is Jay coming? Cause it was like Ben and Jay. It was, that's exactly how I was. And uh, it still kind of is like that to this day. And uh, Ben, I know you're listening. I love you. Uh, he's my best friend in the whole world. So.
0: Oh yeah. Shout um, out Ben.
1: Absolutely. Musical genius. He is responsible for uh, a good chunk of, uh, of the band, really, uh, musically. Like, he is insane. He, uh, he he picks up his bass, and he just writes what the fuck ever he wants. And he does it so well. Uh, he'll come to the table with, like, a Skeleton song. And, um, and then we'll just end up, like, hammering it out. Eric will come in and, like, pick up on what uh, Ben's putting down. And then he'll write, like, some insane riff to go along with it. And, yeah, like... Can't say enough good things about my, my bandmates, but shout out to all of them. Love them very much.
0: So moving on to Despondent, there's a line at the end, while the sun may rise, it only sets for me. Like I yes. heard that, and I was like, okay, this sounds pretty epic. I, I'm, I'm definitely into this line. Obviously, uh, it's my favorite <laughs> part of the song, so can you go a little deeper about that?
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. So, um, So Despondent is in the short story that the brighter side is, uh, is telling, uh, despondent is the cycle of, uh, de- depression and, uh, irrational thought. Uh, that's where you're at your lowest. And, uh, or at least it's the, uh, it's the downward spiral, uh, where you feel yourself sinking down and, you know, you're looking at, you're looking at life and you're looking at your own life, And you're kind of realizing that, like, everyone around you seems to be doing just fine, but you're just in this absolute pit of despair and uh, there's seemingly no way out. So um, when it comes to that line in particular, uh, the sun may rise is the uh, it's supposed to be representative of people around you having seemingly having the absolute time of their life being so happy. And I don't know about you, but sometimes when I get to a very low point like that, uh, seeing everyone so happy almost bothers me. And that sounds sociopathic probably, but I don't go around and start saying, hey, stop being fucking happy. But it makes me feel worse because I want to be that. You know, I want to be happy. I want to be uh, elated You know, at whatever life has to offer. So uh, while the sun may rise, it only sets for me is uh, you're at your lowest point. Everyone is doing uh, everything that they want to do. They're living the best life. They're having everything that they could ever want uh, emotionally uh, go for them, but you just don't get any of it. And um, that's where that's where that part is rooted in. And it's like totally circling the drain. And uh, that line is finally going flush down the drain uh, into uh your absolute lowest point.
0: And uh, do you still feel that way like daily?
1: No. No. Um it comes and goes. You know, like you know, some days you wake up and you're uh, not feeling as great as you want to be, maybe a little down on yourself or something like that. But as the day progresses I I choose to make uh decisions that will help better myself. Like I'll sit and I'll focus on breathing for a little bit if I'm feeling anxious. Um, you know, I'll dive into something that I absolutely love like I'll put on like uh like a, a new record or that I haven't listened to yet or a comfort record or a comfort movie, I'll watch, put on Star Wars or like Tangled or something like that like any like Disney movie and I just feel so good about myself after uh so it's little things like that uh really help me now and uh, it may, it definitely, uh, hasn't been like that for me in a long time. So, uh, respondent isn't, uh, what I am anymore, but, uh, it definitely is a part of, uh, who I used to be.
0: Hell yeah. Well, that, that's only good to hear. I, uh, like to know that, uh, you know, you're doing better and you, you do have ways to, to deal with that kind of stuff. Cause I, I know, Uh, It it can get hard sometimes, but but it's always good to have things to fall back on and have friends to reach out to and talk to.
1: Definitely. Yeah. Having uh, having good friends has always been something that's very important to me. Um, You know, I've said it for a long time and always will that my friends are my family. You know, I uh, while I am like the youngest of four kids and stuff like that you know, they're so much older than me that by the time that I was of a certain age, they had already moved on to either start families or, uh, be, you know, at least married or like off in a career doing their own thing as full blown adults. By the time I was, you know, in high school. So, uh, so having close friends were like having my siblings right next to me. Like, that's how I view having, that's how I view my friends. And, uh, you know, I've, Definitely lost friends along the way and, uh, it's always heartbreaking because then it feels like I'm losing a family member. But everybody that I, that I, uh, keep close to me, I always make sure that they are loved and well cared for and stuff like that. So would not have been able to get to this point that I'm at now without, uh, the love and support that I get from all of my, uh, very dear and uh, near and dear friends.
0: Awesome. So listening to the first two are not including the intro, but uh, the, you know, second and third track, it, it felt like you were, you know, speaking ab- about yourself. Uh, but when we move down to shattered hearts, that song, reading through the lyrics, it, it, it seemed like it was more like a, a letter to someone.
1: Yes. Uh, it, it is more or less, a, is it, you know what? It definitely is a letter to, uh, other people. Um, I kind of, turned uh you know stuff that i've gone through personally um and mixed it with uh other stories that my friends have told me um about what they've gone through or were going through at the time that i was writing it um and uh you know this was i wrote that song you know at a time where a lot of people specifically like friends of mine had uh, been getting their heart broken and and um, getting out of, you know, like very, like very emotionally or even physically abusive relationships. And you know that stuff that I don't tolerate um, especially because I've gone through an emotionally abusive relationship before and uh, it's not fun. You know, it, it's uh, that's the understatement of the century, but it is uh, absolutely the worst. And uh, it, that song came about because it was, it was all circling my mind at one time, uh, because I was seeing stuff that I had gone through in these lovely people who were getting absolutely stepped on and, uh, just thrown everywhere, uh, for no good reason whatsoever by these absolute like monsters of, uh, so-called, you know, partners. And, um, it broke my heart knowing that. So, what that song is about is exactly that, you know, it's seeing somebody at their lowest point while you're at your lowest point. Um, so despondent leads right into shattered hearts where it's like, I'm at my lowest point, but I see that a very good friend is at theirs. And I put my shit aside because I want to make sure that they are taken care of and that they know that they are in fact loved and cared for by all of the friends that they that they have and that um, while being in that kind of a uh, predicament really tolls on like i say in the song their self-worth and your self-love um that your worth lies not without but within which is another line another uh, line from the song um and that you know it does your, your worth isn't determined by somebody else it's determined by yourself but if you have positive reinforcement in the fact that you uh, that like you are worth so much and you mean so much some uh, to, to you know a loving group of people and that they want that for you, then uh, you can eventually overcome and be the person that you know you can be. And that's what that song uh, is meant to be as a whole.
0: That's awesome. I, I feel like uh, there's a lot of people out there who aren't comfortable in their own skin. And I feel like uh, if, if they would just realize that uh, people are going to like you for who you truly are and there's going to be people who don't like you for who you truly are, and Absolutely. that's that's completely okay. And I, uh, it, it definitely breaks my heart when I run into people and I, I meet them and I, I get to know them and I find that they're so insecure, which is fine. Like, it happens. Like, I was – there at one point and i sometimes i i still do get insecure about you know some things about myself but but i wish like more people would find find it in themselves to you know take control and just be themselves instead of trying to you know put on some facade to try to you know please people or try to get cool points because that in reality doesn't mean shit, and most of the time people can see right through that and it's just really gross and i and I, I, I wish yeah, like, like
1: social climbing and all of that. Just, uh,
0: yeah. I, I, I it, it's never made sense to me. And I seriously wish that people, you know, could just find it in themselves and their friends. just, you know, would all be, just be real with each other and, you know, just support each other and just be real because things would be so much easier.
1: Yes, sir. I wholeheartedly agree with that. Um, and uh, to kind of wrap up what the, what that song touches on is that while that while the spawn that leads into that, you know, of you putting aside your own, uh, problems because you want to be there for somebody, um, you know, and all you want is the best for them. You can't, you, from that, you can, whether you're talking to them on the phone or in person, and then when you have time to yourself and then you're kind of left with your own problems again, uh, what that song is meant to be is that like, you can help somebody feel comfortable in their own skin. Um, If you have the power to be there for somebody else, you can be there for yourself as well. And that, um, you know, you can tell somebody it's like, you know what, like you got this, you know, like I believe in you, I love you all this, that, and the other. And the hardest thing that a person can do sometimes is take a second to look in the mirror and tell that to themselves because convincing yourself of something can either be very easy or very hard. And especially when you're at a very low point, convincing yourself of something so positive um, that has to do with yourself at that point is extremely difficult. At least in my case, uh, speaking on my past. And sometimes even even today, I get to a point where I'm you know I'm not really stoked on like my on what's going on right now. But and then but then I take a step back and I say and I look at everything and I go you know what like everything's really like everything's great. Um, I'm doing just fine. I'm happy with like who I am and what I'm doing. And, you know, that's something that uh, a lot of people, that's something that everybody wants. Everybody wants to be happy with what they're doing and who they are. And uh, uh, that's what that, that's a secondary purpose of what that song is supposed to be as far as the story of the record. Um, but uh, that I, I kind of wrote it that way.
0: Okay. Yeah. Well, I love it. I, I I enjoyed the different perspective when it came to that song. So uh, it's actually my new favorite song off the EP.
1: Oh man, thank you so much. You know that that's what's surprising is that when we finished the EP, we had we would all just like listen to it over and over when we got the masters done, um, which we also recorded at uh, with Colin Knight at Paradise Recordings in Orange. So shout out to Colin because he has produced some of the most. Amazing hardcore records that come out in recent history uh, and it was truly a pleasure and an honor to work with him. Um, So shout out to him. But uh, I totally lost track of what I was talking about. Uh, (laughs) I got lost in giving a shout out.
0: I was uh, just telling you that uh, Shattered Hearts is my new favorite song off the EP.
1: Right, right. Um, The thing that's surprising is that like that's not the one that we thought would be a favorite. Granted, we weren't sitting around going, oh, this is going to be everyone's favorite. We don't make music for that reason. Um, And I don't write music for that reason, you know? Like, if somebody likes it, that's incredible. If somebody loves it and it's, like, a favorite of theirs off of a record, that's insane and, like, a true honor. Um, But that wasn't the one that we thought. We thought, like, everyone's, like, favorite would be either uh, Little Land and the Skyline meet or it would be uh, Difference Between Me and You. But it se- seems that anytime that somebody has uh, either approached me or shot me a message or talked to any of the other guys in the band that they single out shattered hearts as like the standout track and that's really cool because it's definitely uh, a song that i'm most proud of lyrically um and most proud of as far as uh, ben eric and pat go uh, musically because like they put together this incredible song um, but uh, it's really interesting, you know, that you think like, oh, I think this one is like, we all think that one of these is like the best one. But when everyone listens to it, they're like, oh, no, not that one. It's this one over here. And it's, it kind of comes out of left field, but it's really cool. So I truly appreciate that. And it's very humbling to to hear that.
0: So um, here's a bit of breaking news. Uh, haven't really talked about this to to anyone, um, but by the time this podcast comes out, it, it'll all sync up. Uh, I created this playlist on Spotify that I'll make public uh, by the time this comes out, and it's called Hardcore. Okay. Uh, it's called Hardcore Caviar. It's a play off of one of the biggest rap playlists on Spotify called Rap Caviar. I, I'm just like a huge fan of that, yeah. so I was like, you know, what? I'm gonna do a hardcore version of it. And I, you know, just curated, uh, it's like 50 tracks of, um, of like some of my favorite stuff going on currently. So I I put that out there and on the playlist, I had two take it to heart songs. I had the difference between me and you and where the land and skyline meet. And when I was just jammed through the, the record before we did this, I was like, you know what, I was like, I have to put shattered hearts on the playlist. So there's actually, oh, man. yeah. So there's actually um, three tracks from you guys on the new Hardcore Caviar playlist <laughs> that will be um, coming out shortly. So I'm stoked to have you guys on there.
1: Dude, that is awesome. That is absolutely sick. Thank you so much. I really, we really. I mean, I'll, I'm going to speak for the other guys. Fuck it, we appreciate it. That is very cool, especially if it's like 50 tracks, three out of 50 in bed. So that's cool. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah, no problem. Uh, so I'm, I'm stoked to have yeah, you guys on do. there. Um, yeah, and I'll, I'll send it to, you, um, after, do you have a Spotify? Yeah. Okay, cool. Then I'll, I'll send you the, um, playlist early so you can check it out.
1: Hell yeah. I'm excited.
0: Okay. So moving on to the last track where the land and the skyline meet, when I listen to this track, I'm like, okay, I, I feel like this would be the single to like, you know, push and promote to try to, you know, get people to check out the band, check out the record, um, can you talk about uh, you know like your guys' like style? Because you, you guys are more, uh, you, you guys have those um, melodic influences, which I think is awesome. You, you mentioned earlier you guys went and saw Have Heart, One Step Closer, and that helped influence you guys, and I, I think that's awesome because uh, you know there was a time, time yeah, yeah th- 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 there was a time in hardcore where. The melodic style like dominated, and there was tons of bands doing that style. But right now, there's not a whole lot. So for you guys to do it, and I think you guys are doing it right. I I, I think it's awesome. So I was just curious if you can talk about thank um, you uh, the last track on the record.
1: Yeah, yeah, sure. So the last track on the record um, is uh, as far as the story goes, because that's you know very important with the uh, with this release um, is that it's the it's the finale, and it sounds like a finale too, um, which is really cool. Um, but you know, the, uh, the song is, uh, is, you know, the, the character who is essentially me, um, in this record because I write what I know and I write from my own experiences. But, um, when it comes to the song, it's about me saying, okay, like I can be here for myself. I'm going to be the person who I want to be. I'm going to, you know, be in a place that I think I can thrive Uh, And even though it's going to take some hard work, I'm cutting out. Uh, And I'm going to go and do that. I'm going to be that person. I'm going to be with the people who – I'm going to be with new people just to expand my horizons. Because when you know – when you get to have a certain, like, you know, friend group, it can be really easy to just kind of sit there and be like, cool, I'm happy here, and I don't need anything else. Um, Me being a very social person, I get – a little nervous when i meet new people sometimes um and it's like i'm very friendly naturally but uh when it comes to meeting new people sometimes i'm just like uh i'll talk to them maybe at the next show like i just get nervous for some reason you know but um but, you know that's what the song's about it's about like saying thinking of everything that's yet to come uh and being excited for it and saying okay this is a new chapter of my life this is where i'm going to go from here and uh kind of riding off into the sunset, if you will, heading for the horizon, heading for a new city, hence the skyline portion of it. Um, you know, heading for a whole new uh world to rope it into Disney. But, you know, finding this whole new world and stuff like that and uh going to finally be happy. That's what the the song's about.
0: I feel like it's a great way to wrap up the record, and honestly, like, like, and I I always joke to my friends. I'm like, maybe I I should have been in A and R, because I always talk about how i i like listen to these <laughs> bands and you know the, i i kind of like lay out the game plan that i would do if, if i was in the band uh you know uh but right. that's just me obviously like i would never tell a band what to do it's just like you know something i'll share you know with my friends personally just because i uh, think it's interesting t- uh, and i'm always curious to see how things will play out but like seriously like when i listen right and like look at the the entire body of work i i just look at that, that song is like th- like if i were to put out a single or if i like do a music video or something like i would like focus on that one i, I feel like that's uh like i feel like that's a track that would draw everybody in
1: uh yeah i mean it's uh, it's that that's another one that um granted there's only you know four songs on the record there's an intro but you know it's it's just there to kind of be an intro you know like mm-hmm. that was something that you know w- was fun that we were like doing live so we're like fuck it we'll throw it on the record whatever but the actual record itself is only four songs so there's not a whole lot of Um, you know, room for people to be like, oh, like this track in particular or like this one in particular, you know, versus like having a full length where there's so much more material to kind of pick at. Um, Skyline is another one where uh, friends of ours have talked to us and been just like, this song like gets stuck in my head or, um, you know, I've had a couple friends uh, from, you know, scattered throughout uh, the country say like that that song is, currently helping them batman shattered hearts has been like helping them through quarantine which is very sweet uh because this is a very difficult time for everybody um and if whatever i wrote uh is doing something positive for them in their mental state right now is beyond what i could ever comprehend doing ever you know i'm not super altruistic in that point where i don't write music to to target somebody and be just like, I am your voice of hope because I think that's corny. Although like people, because I think hardcore is about finding it yourself and finding that there is a message, but it's, it's your personal connection to the message and not it being directed at a a legion of people. You know what I mean? Um, that could be a hot take. I don't know. But, uh, but, you know, having people message me and say that, you know, Skyline is, is helping is, uh, Insane, and um, you know, beyond what I could have ever imagined for any band that I could be a part of.
0: You mentioned the quarantine. I, I find it really interesting. Uh, you guys are one of the few bands who have dropped new music during the quarantine, and I, I, I was curious: right. was that always the the plan to have that release date, or did you guys just uh, you know go and record and like, all right, like let's put it out now?
1: When it came to when it came to putting out this record, it was it was tough because what we wanted to do was uh, we we shopped it around to a couple labels. Like we had somebody hit us up, and then for some reason it just didn't quite work out uh, with communication and stuff like that. Um, so we ended up just going like, you know what, we'll just put it out ourselves. We're not gonna uh, wait for uh, you know responses and stuff like that. You know, so uh, when it came to putting it out. Uh, we still had shows lined up and quarantine hadn't quite started yet. We put it out on March 10th um, and we didn't have a select date or anything. We were just like, fuck it. We'll do it a week from today. And it was a week prior to the 10th at the time, whatever that date was. And uh, we put out um, a single, which we chose uh difference between me and you just because it's, it's catchy. It's got some choruses that you can sing along to and stuff like that. Um, and it was, like, kind of a personal favorite uh, for the band. So we put that out then. And then we were just like, you know what? A week from today, we're going to put it out. So we put it out. And well-received. But right when we are going to play shows, because we had a few lined up, uh, quarantine kicked in and all of our shows got canceled. Um, as did everybody else in hardcore and beyond. You know, um, everyone's tours got canceled and stuff. It's a huge bummer, but um, hopefully back back to shows sooner than later. Uh, But we we didn't plan on putting it out knowing that quarantine was going to be a thing. Uh, It just kind of happened uh, that way where we were like, okay, we're going to put it out on the 10th. And that's just what we decided a week before. Uh, Put it out and then quarantine came and kind of threw us all for a loop um which sucks because we were kind of on a little bit of a roll we had good shows happening like consistently had another cool show that we're going to be playing uh somewhere in la uh that was going to be really fun uh you know it happens. we're working on something else though we're going to try and put out another record sooner than later just because we just like to keep grinding keep the wheels turning while we can't play shows we might as well start pumping out some material
0: Maybe when this is all over, do you guys plan on having a like a record release show?
1: Maybe uh, we haven't really talked about that because when it came to putting out the EP, we didn't even plan to have like a record release show or set or anything. We were just gonna be like, yeah, we're just gonna put it out and play some shows so that you know it just gets people more familiar with it and just kind of plug it and stuff. Um, but maybe after this is over, and maybe if we put out another record, uh, then we'll have like a like a record release show for that. But uh, we kind of wanted to start building up a little bit more traction, get some, get some more draw out of it. So that way we could properly have like a good record release show where like, you know, it's our, it's kind of our show type of thing.
0: And one last thing you guys released a shirt a couple weeks back and it sold out and me being an idiot, I didn't pick one up even though I really wanted one. Uh, do you guys have any plans to right. do any more merch like that?
1: We do. We, uh, we wanted to, uh, throw up like a, we talked about throwing up like this, like pre-order thing. So that way, cause we had a lot of friends, uh, come to us and say like, Hey, uh, I didn't get a shirt. (laughs) Like, are you going to be making more? Mm -hmm. And we had made those shirts for the next like show or two that we had. So, you know, we were, we were just sitting on a box of shirts. So we're just like, all right, first come first serve. Have at it? Did not expect it to sell out. Uh, So when it sold out, it was really sweet and very cool. But uh, now we're just kind of sitting here going like, well, there's not going to be any shows. uh, But so we're thinking of maybe doing like a pre-order of that same shirt with some other colorways or something like that. But uh, we'll see. You never know.
0: All right. Well, I'm I'm stoked to hear and I was stoked to see that the shirt did sell out. So, you know, that's good for you guys. But, yeah, I'm definitely uh, keeping my eyes open because I would like to own a Take It to Heart shirt.
1: Yeah, definitely. would love to Would love to uh, get you one. Um, I, you know, there's a lot of stuff that we want to do as far as merch goes, because you know that's that's kind of like the fun thing about being in a band, aside from like playing shows, is like, you know, merch designs and selling shirts and hats and you know hoodies and this that and the other. Um, I really want to put Mickey on a shirt really bad because Disneyland being down the way. Uh, Eric and I, specifically being big Disney fans, him being uh, a former cast member, and me just being a big, you know, Disney person, uh, I've wanted to put Mickey on a shirt really bad, but I don't know in what form or whatever. You know, I kind of want to introduce some of that, but uh, we'll have to see because that would be super fun, but I don't know how that's going to go over with the guys. So we'll see.
0: (laughs) For sure, no, I I think that's awesome. I I wish every band from orange county would have a cool uh you know disney inspired design because that's just like my like you know two favorite worlds like colliding so I- i'm always down for
1: absolutely yeah
0: always down for you know uh, bands doing disney merch but i am um, you know speaking of disney oh yeah um, uh, you know you-, you dropped it a couple times throughout the-, the episode and i'm definitely down to talk about disney i i, I love it so much as everybody oh yeah knows. let's go let's um, do it yeah uh i i'm sad that disney is still closed we're here the tail end of may and uh, you know they had reservations open uh, for the hotels for june 1st and everybody's like speculating like right. what, like what's going to happen and i know that uh, you know there's been like more rumors like oh they're gonna call cast members in like within like the next week to do uh coronavirus training um or excuse me, not, not coronavirus training, training uh, like like new procedures at the park to deal with like social distancing. Right. Um, and social
1: distancing and stuff. That's going to be tough.
0: Yeah. So I'm, I'm just like so like curious because I feel like, uh, you know, over the weekend, uh, Orange County opened up a little more with like, you know, restaurants being able to open again with, um, you know, safety policies mm-hmm. like, you know, in line and I'm just like, all right, cool. That's like like a step in the right direction and it's showing that like, you know, we're progressing and obviously we're doing it in phases. And I'm like, now that restaurants are opening back up, like it, it's definitely a matter of time before you know Disney, Knotts, and all the other major theme parks open back up out here. And I, I'm just seriously, like, like seriously checking all the time and waiting, and like even asking my friends who work at Disney, like, hey, have you heard anything? Like, like let me know as soon as you hear anything. And I'm just like, like you know, bothering them because I'm always just hitting them. Yeah. Up. But can you talk about like how yeah. you've been dealing with like not being able to hit up Disney for these past couple of months?
1: Uh, poorly. <laughs> it sucks, man. Like, cause, uh, you know, same as you, you know, cause, cause like you and I have run into each other at the parks you know, several times. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a, if you have a path, it's what you do when you have any time at all. Um, you know, like there, there, there would be several times, sometimes even a couple times a week if I had enough time, or I would just go to the parks uh, like after I would, you know, back when I had my, my dog, um, you know, I would take care of him and stuff like that. And then if back when, you know, my dad was still living in orange County, I would, you know, like, be like, all right, I'm going to Disney. Like, I'll see you later. And then <laughs> we would go to Disneyland and we'd just like go there for fireworks, have like go on a couple of rides and then come home. Like even for like a little thing like that, it was exactly where I wanted to be all the time. Um, and, uh, to not have it for so long is so weird. Um, My pass expired right before quarantine started. So I decided to not renew for obvious reasons Um, because there was still time because they were still letting people in before quarantine started to to become thrown around. And I was like, do I want to renew it? Like, we'll see. And then quarantine kicked in and then they shut down. And uh, it's been rough because I now i live in like north anaheim i can like walk into fullerton i live like right under the 91. so and just off harbor too uh for all of our locals who are listening um so i am about two miles north of disneyland so at nine at, at about like 9 nine thirty every night i can hear the fireworks go off when disneyland's open so i know what time it is every time every night but uh not so much anymore um really bums me out that uh that I can't go because I would kill to go on Big Thunder Mountain
0: right now. Yeah, I, I and I, we were there the last day uh, that downtown Disney was open. So the, the park and all the hotels had already closed by then, but um, they were right. like, uh, you know, the, it was like the last day is giving the guests who had uh, booked vacations for that week to have enough time to uh, make arrangements to get out of the city. Or get out of the hotels yeah. and it, it was I mean, like a weird vibe being down there just like seeing yeah. everything closed yeah. and even like walking up to the gates of Disney and just seeing them locked I'm like damn like this is such a weird time in history because uh, since Disneyland's been open it's, it's only closed uh, for like I think like three other times which is like insane to think about because like it's just always there for us so when it's taken away and and for good reason like I'm not mad that they're closed just to be clear but right. when it's taken away and that big part of my life is gone and I have to like fill that gap with other stuff. It's just so strange to me. And I, I like think about it like, damn, like I spent a lot of time at Disneyland and I have found ways to, you know, fill the time that I would spend at Disneyland, which is okay. Cause I just kind of have more time to do the things that I normally did, which is fine. But I, I truly do miss Disneyland right. and I can't wait to get back whenever it does open. We should definitely like hang out instead of just running into each other.
1: Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the day that it reopens, uh, Garrett, you, myself, rope drop. Like, let's, let's go. Like, like let, let's be there for that. Cause I miss it so much. And, um, I really just, uh, you know, I, I echo the same sentiments because, um, this is because Disneyland is a place that is, it's one of those things where it's like, Oh, Disneyland's never like shut down, you know, like it's always there. Uh, If there's, like, a national tragedy, they'll be closed for the day or for the week or whatever, however long. And then it's it's back. But because there's a pandemic and there's so many people that flock through those gates uh, every single day, uh, it's so weird to to, to know that Disneyland and, you know, California Adventure, all Disney parks except for Japan just opened, right? Mm
0: Mm-hmm uh yeah. shanghai so like with
1: it, it was uh shanghai, shanghai. Yeah. Right, right, right um so it, with all parks uh Maya shanghai uh being empty is so weird to think about i hadn't been down there since it shut down uh, until maybe like a week ago and i was uh and i was coming up harbor passing uh disneyland And I have never seen Harbor that empty in my entire being of living here. You know, in my, in my time here, I've never seen it that empty. And then rolling by, you know, Disneyland and seeing just nobody there, complete ghost town. It was, it was very sad because uh, it almost, it looked like a place that you want to come back, but isn't, even though Disneyland is definitely going to come back and reopen its doors and have, uh, you know, a lot of people there under certain restrictions, I'm sure. Um, it looks like, you know, one of those places that you love going to. It looked like, it reminds me of going to a venue. Reminds me of going to a venue that used to always have incredible shows every week or every day or something like that. And then you walk up to it and it's got a fat red tag on it and it's no more. That's what it reminded me of. And I just got so sad thinking about that. Um, but... It'll be open at some point in the future and i just hope that sooner than later, not to sound like those, you know, people who are mad about the beaches and stuff. We don't claim them. Uh, (laughs) you know, it's just like when it opens, I'll be there. But, uh, until then I just sit around and play Assassin's Creed or some bullshit.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I, I remember driving home from work the day after, uh, everything was officially closed. Uh, Disneyland, California Adventure and Downtown Disney, and driving yeah driving up Harbor and seeing all the hotels empty and not seeing a single uh, person walking that part of Anaheim was so strange because when the park's open there's you know, guests traveling from all over there's always people walking around it's like really busy down there but driving past there the day after everything was officially closed. It was so strange. There was like no traffic. There was not, seriously, not a single person clo- or walking the streets. Everything was closed. The McDonald's, that's right there by the Panera Bread and that one hotel. Yeah. They shut down, which I thought was crazy. I was like, damn, even McDonald's like wow. called it quits. They're like, all right, like right, we're going to take a break. Yeah, it, it was definitely like really strange to, to drive by there. And even today, I get like, yeah, like as things are um, opening back up, uh it's still not as busy as it was down there, which is, yeah, it's always strange passing by there.
1: Yeah. Cause it's like, you know, you know, with, uh, with Anaheim and yes you know, kind of North County being what it is, having the five and the four Oh five being what they are, uh, even the 91 at times, uh, just go, you know, seeing no traffic anywhere, but you're sitting there going like, fuck at what cost, you know, because you're like, I can go freely everywhere. And, you know, I get caught in minimal traffic wherever I'm going. If you got to go anywhere and, uh, but you know, the one place that you really want to be, uh, isn't open and, uh, it's kind of heartbreaking.
0: Okay. And so I,
1: I would kill for one of those pretzels right now. I know that.
0: So, uh, in Disneyland, I, I need to know your, your top three favorite attractions.
1: Okay. Uh, let's see. So number one, big thunder. Okay. I'm a huge big thunder fan. Um, you know, like I always tell you know, people that like, you know, that I always tell people keep your eye on the goat. Disney fans will know, uh, keep your eye on the goat the whole way down. Uh, it's really fun. It just, it just adds that little extra bit of excitement when you're, you know, coming down the mountain that way. Uh, and none of them do it. And I don't know why it's like, trust me. It makes it so much more fun. Anyway, I'm not going to get into that bag right now. Um, but I love Big Thunder, so that's number one. Oh, the other two. That's where it gets tough. Um, mm. uh, I would probably say... Are we talking Disneyland specific, or are we talking both parts?
0: Uh, we're talking Disneyland specific. We're, we're going to head over to DCA in a little bit.
1: Okay. Okay. Um, then I would say... Uh, mm pirates is number two. I just, I love the experience. I I, I love that. It's, it's an experience ride. Um, you know, there's so many details that you can pick out and stuff like that. Uh, and also the history of it, you know, being like, you know, one of the last, you know, Disneyland creations for Walt Disney and stuff like that. It's very cool to be like, Oh, I'm a part of this thing that he was something else that he personally oversaw and stuff like that. um, yeah, I, I like I like rides that are more about the experience and stuff like that. Um, so that is number two. Number three. Now this is even harder because there's still so many to choose from. Um, it's probably between. Oh man, it, it's between Star Tours. And haunted mansion because I love haunted mansion uh, no matter what time of year it is it's, it's always it's always great I just I love that atmosphere and then I'm just a huge Star Wars fan I love Smuggler's Run um, uh, but I only like Smuggler's Run when I am piloting with Eric because so far he's the only other pilot that I can like like fly with that uh, knows what he's doing to the point where we're not going to like fuck everything up because I've gone there with uh, just like, just by myself, you know, and I'll, I try and weasel my way into the pilot seat as much as I can because I always end up getting the engineer card. And for those who don't know about who are listening, who don't know about Smuggler's Run and Galaxy's Edge and Disneyland. Uh Engineers don't do shit. They throw cables to latch onto some coaxium and they reel it in, and that's about it. Uh, so I end up I always end up getting the engineer card, and I'll go to whoever is like there in the in the the vehicle with me, and be just like, hey, does anybody want to trade? And it's not because I'm trying to get there. It's because I can make this ride longer for you, and it's going to be more fun for a greater length of time. And usually it works. Uh, and it's and I'm totally lying because obviously I want to pilot the Millennium Falcon. Who fucking doesn't? You know what I mean? Uh, so, uh, so that that that's up there too. But mm, actually, picking that number three spot is very tough because it's and it ultimately comes between those three attractions. Uh, depending on the day, it changes, but. For right now, I'll say Smuggler's Run just because I like to fly the Millennium Falcon. Being a fan of Star Wars since I was two years old, I, uh, you know, getting to getting to like feel like I'm flying the Falcon is something that was beyond my wildest dreams as a child. So I'll pick it for that reason.
0: For sure, I I think that's a solid top three. Uh, I like uh, Big Thunder. I, i'm always surprised that the queue isn't consistently long because when you look at like the other um you know big mountains like when we look at space mountain that one's like guaranteed always right. busy and i love space mountain yeah. great ride but i think when you compare it to something like thunder mountain it i i think sometimes thunder mountain i like better just because i i like the visuals i i, I can see stuff and yeah like space mountain's fun like it's in the dark and it's a yeah. crazy coaster but I, I feel like uh when you're on thunder mountain and you're in that land and you're submerged and you gotta see the goat and you're swirling around a mountain and it's just like really awesome versus like okay am i really gonna wait uh you know an hour plus to sit on a coaster and pretty much pitch black and not really see anything except for lights um so sometimes i'm like okay maybe yeah. like it, it's a weird trade-off but i, I think Uh, Big Thunder is uh, more fun. And when I look at... I think so too. Yeah. And uh, uh, you you mentioned Pirates and how that was uh, the last attraction Walt Disney worked on. I, I, I was so upset when they wanted to add that new scene with uh, red yeah. and yeah and red, I, yeah. I, I, I like I, I just realized like you know nothing in Disneyland is sacred uh, like they changed this uh, attraction and maybe it's just me just being critical because uh, I'm just such a huge fan and you know obviously like Walt Disney uh, passed and that was like the last thing he worked on so yeah. I, I just felt like upset that they changed it um, so it, it was just like just a bummer because I don't feel like it was needed and I've talked about this like, a million times but like I just didn't agree with it and I'm, I'm and I'm kind of happy yeah that, uh, and I'm kind of happy that uh, for your last uh you know ride that you chose was uh smugglers run because I give so much crap to galaxy's edge and uh, how much of a flop it was and like what it could have been
1: it is a big flop and it could have been so much better although like I will say that the first time I went in there um, it was for a cast member preview because uh, Eric and uh, um, our friend and his girlfriend Kelly uh you know, She's uh, a cast member and uh Eric was at the time a cast member and they got to bring a, a friend each. So uh Eric, you know, brought me and uh Kelly brought her friend Ashley. We all went together and we went uh whenever they first started doing cast member previews. Mm-hmm. Uh so round right about round right about a year ago, something like that. And uh I remember going and I remember walking in uh I remember walking into Galaxy's Edge for the first time and, uh, like, I'm not, not, not to be dramatic, but like, I shed a tear because it's like, you walk in and you see a a full-size X-Wing off to your right, uh, you know, Chewbacca blowing past you, although, that kind of sucks because if they're walking around, like, give me a high five, bro, you know, I'm, I'm putting it out there, uh, leaves me hanging every time, okay, um, but, uh, you know, just like seeing all of the the rock work and uh, seeing the Falcons there, uh, you know, it was it was mind blowing. You know, at first, and then after you start going a couple more times, you're just like, man, this really could have been so much cooler.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I, I I I just don't know about some of the, the decision making. Like, I think it's cool that they wanted to make the the land canon, so that it's actually like a part of like the actual like story or Star Wars story. Right. Excuse me. Uh, so, so that's cool. But then I, I just feel like the time in the timeline of the movie is like it, they just you know you know couldn't include uh, you know the other characters in the park that they have like Boba Fett Captain Phasma like they're not allowed in Galaxy's Edge which is like, yeah that's a bummer. Yeah definitely a bummer because like you know like, we've seen Ray in uh the launch bay we've seen kyle ren in the launch bay yeah. so like you know they're able to cross over because uh tomorrowland and it's not like really canon they just have things from the star wars movies it's not like this whole story like dedicated yeah. to the series so it, it's just uh really really weird for me uh because I, I feel like they kind of like pigeonhole themselves and they, they have the the two attractions but then i'm just kind of like okay like like what else like I, I feel like that that can't be it and and i know there's like the the fairy tale um, restaurant that was supposed to be behind the cantina, and you know, talks right. about like maybe like you know doing a, a third attraction, but like you know, who knows what what Disney's gonna do? Uh,
1: yeah, we'll see. Um, but mm, yeah, because it, it really really had a lot of potential, especially like the lead up to it was just this huge thing. You know, everyone was predicting like, oh man, like the park is gonna be at like extreme capacities you know these lines are all going to be fucking insane you're not going to be able to get a reservation for anything forever and then it opens, and uh, nobody shows up that blew me away because like a lot of people showed up you know like don't get me wrong but you know they ended up removing you know the need for reservations and stuff months ahead of what uh, they were saying initially you know Because it was like, oh, you need a reservation to get into the park on this day or whatever. Uh, And then I remember maybe like a month or so went by. At this point, my timeline's messy. But I remember like a month went by or so after that. And uh, people were just passing in and out of the the land, you know, to get, you know, into, um, oh, shit. what What does it lead back into?
0: Uh, well, uh, it just depends on which um, side you exit. So either uh, critter country or a uh, French critter country. That's what I was thinking. Yeah.
1: Critter country. Right, right. Cause like that, that's the way I typically tend to, to go into it. And, uh, and I was just seeing people pass in and out and I was like, wait, let me just give this a shot. So I just walked through and people were just passing in and out and I had no idea that that's, that was totally fine at the time. And, uh, I took advantage of it and I was excited because I could get to go in and out. But as the weeks went by, I was thinking like, man, nobody is actually here. And it was, uh, kind of shocking at the time. And now I just kind of understand, but, um, you know, it's a, it's a bummer. It could have been, could have been much better, but I still enjoy it for what it is currently. So I'll give it that.
0: I feel like Disney took every precaution to try to keep this whole thing organized and not be a a shit show because they assumed, uh, it was going to be like a mad circus and people were going to flock from all over. But I I feel like the, like in preparation, they kind of scared off a lot of the guests because I I was there that first week. And I remember just thinking like, yeah, this is really, really like low attendance in like just the park in general, which I'm a fan of. Uh, but it was just so strange. I'm like, okay, this is like opening week for galaxy's edge. This park is supposed to be like crazy busy because of the new land and like nobody really showed up because like so many people were scared and didn't want to have to deal with the the crazy crowds, but like everybody just kind of got scared and just didn't show up. So that first week it was just really strange, but I feel like they bounced back like once, um, uh, rise of the resistance opened up. And that brought like the actual, yeah. like, like uh, initial wave that they were thinking of. Um, so it, it kind of yep. like worked out, like, I, I, uh, it just came in like a later wave.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I definitely noticed that because, uh, it was like park absolutely packed right at rope drop for people to get their find out if they get their like boarding pass or whatever for Rise of Resistance. Um, and, uh, Absolutely insane. I'm still really bummed out that uh, I still haven't been on Rise of the Resistance, uh, and now the Disneyland's closed. I'm not gonna get that chance for quite some time, and I'm hoping I'm hoping. Wow, can't even speak anymore. I am hoping that when it gets around time for the park to open, that um, I can just get in a line and go and not have to do the whole you know, rope drop reservation type of thing. Uh, but, you know, either way, really excited to go on it. I have watched so many videos. So I already know what it looks like uh, because I am that person. You know, if I can't experience it right away, I need to, I need to be prepared because I, w- I was so curious as to what it really looked like as it was going through. So I've seen several, like, you know, a couple, like, POV videos and stuff like that of people, like, with their phones or whatever. Going through the whole ride, and it looks incredible um at you know most points and i i really can't wait to experience it myself
0: yeah you know i i didn't even think about what they would do with that queue when the park reopens because obviously when disneyland does reopen it's going to be at some uh you know lower capacity and it's not going to be how it was so i don't even know if they're gonna you know have people try to get boarding passes because i don't think they're gonna there's gonna be that many people in the park initially to have to warrant that so um yeah it could be a good time to get on it because uh, since the the ride has opened i've only been on it once and and i went on it uh it was uh, on the super bowl so a super bowl sunday uh me garrett right and our buddy ben we were able to um, get on it like super late like we showed up like i'm not even kidding we showed up and parked at like around like five in the morning and then we got a good spot in line just to get into the park and then once we got in the park we like we went and like huddled in some corner to try to have like the best like internet connection and like me and my buddy ben like we were both on our phones trying to get a boarding pass like i failed but ben was able to snag one for us and like we were literally there from five in the morning the park opened at eight that's when the boarding passes went live And we had like a high number, like, yeah, like we had a high number for our boarding pass. So we literally um, got one, which was awesome. And then we got breakfast, went to my buddy's apartment and watched the Super Bowl. Super Bowl was over and then we went back to Disneyland at like like around like eight thirty nine o'clock. And then our boarding pass was called like maybe like 45 minutes after like we got into the park. So it was such a long process. Yeah, it was a long day.
1: Holy shit. That's insane. Yeah, because like you know, I I love being at Disneyland a lot, but the thing is, is that like, I always, the days that I know I'm going to be there for like the entire day always end up being the absolute hottest fucking days of the year. Um, and I just am a terrible picker when it comes to those days. So every time that I've been at Disneyland all day, by the time like 6 p.m. or 7 p.m. rolls around, I'm a cranky son of a bitch. She was <laughs> like, I, 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 need to, I need to work on that um, because I love to pull those days where I can just be there all day because that's all I want to do. I think I'll be fine now that I when it opens, having not been there for so long. But, um, you know, obviously you had the time to, to leave and come back whenever. Uh, and I would have done the same thing, truthfully, whether I cared about, like, the you know, Super Bowl or not. Um, but, man, I want to go on that ride so fucking bad. Like for nothing but good things about it. Obviously, you know you're gonna have people who are just like, well, this part wasn't that convincing and stuff like that. And it's like, shut up! It's Star Wars. Let it be. It's gonna be fun, you know.
0: Yeah, uh, definitely the best thing in Disneyland. when it comes to just like when you look at the whole thing overall. Uh, obviously, I didn't get to experience the full queue because um, it was just kind of like, all right, show up for your time and then just walk in. So we kind of like walked on. Um, but the parts of the queue that we did get to see was amazing. And then even leading up to boarding the actual vehicle, it was definitely like, it was like a real awesome experience because they just do like a bunch of things to like blow your mind when it comes to star Wars. And when you think about how big that actual warehouse is, uh, the fact that it houses yeah. all that stuff. It's its just like kind of crazy to think about like, you know, how big it really is and the, the things you get to see. It's definitely like really awesome. And Disney did a really great job. And I think that's like the best attraction in the park right now.
1: Absolutely. Like I commend them so highly for being able to put that together. Uh, w- delays and all like having a warehouse that you or not even like having a warehouse that can have all of that. But having warehouses where you just have actual, like, not actual, but, you know, you have these giant walkers in the middle of it is insane. I remember seeing that that was part of the ride uh, when they, like, leaked images and stuff like that. And I got so excited because I love the way walkers look. And, you know, like, remember being a kid, like, a really little kid and watching, like, Empire Strikes Back and seeing these walkers and being like, these things are massive and huge and they're crazy um so i'm i'm excited for that part specifically to like you know run through that little battle scene and see like the walkers that are standing there and stuff and oh yeah. uh, absolutely like, mind-blowing imagery so fucking cool
0: so not to spoil it completely for you but um in in that specific part of the ride like um because th- there's two tracks so i'm um, you're obviously right. you, you get i'm um, you know one of two um, so when you get to that part of the, the attraction, there's like two different angles that you see the um, AT-ATs from. So uh, you, you have to obviously ride it multiple times to get the full experience. It, it, it's definitely really awesome how they just like blend everything together. It, it, it's really awesome. Yeah. But
1: yeah, man, like it, it looks, it looks incredible. And I've seen like, you know, like the footage and stuff like that. And I know that that doesn't do it only justice because it's, you know, seeing, seeing it through a lens and not seeing it through your own eyes and experiencing everything in the rooms and stuff like that. But God, it just looks so cool. I don't want to be in there really bad, but you know what? When it opens, I'll be there. I'll figure out, I'll figure out how, how I'll get in there. But, um, I want to hear your top three for Disneyland. I think you might've mentioned it on a previous episode, but I, uh, I've forgotten my name.
0: Okay. Oh, wow. Top three okay. right, I have to thing because yeah. I, I know what my number one is. Number one is always Indiana Jones. I, I'm a huge fan.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: Huge fan of the movie. They, they just celebrated the 25th anniversary for the attraction, which I thought was awesome. Uh, so number one, definitely yeah. always Indiana Jones. I, I love that. Uh, n- number two, I I'm a huge fan of the teacups. Like what, what, when I think of like classic like O.G. Disneyland. Yeah uh that's just something that I, I think is just so magical and th- the fact that we still have it and the way that ours is set up I, I i think it's so cool so number two i'll say teacups the
1: teacups are great yeah. i love them yeah, yeah.
0: and number three I, I i don't participate in it that often just because it's uh it's, it's a hassle because it could be very awesome or it could be terrible it's like, it could literally ruin your day but i i have to talk about splash mountain Because when I I think back to when I was younger and I would do these annual trips with my family, that was the one thing that my parents loved doing. They're like, yo, like we got to go on Splash Mountain. We got to, you know actually shell out the cash to buy the photo and like even to this day at, at my parents house uh we have um like a uh, a, a, a frame because they, they they used to do these like old school frames um like f- like of attractions with like the photos so like i have this old school splash mountain photo from uh like from back in the day like when i was a kid uh with like me and my family on it so uh, that one always like holds a soft spot like you know for me but right. I, I just don't like to go on it that much because if i'm going out to disneyland i, I want to enjoy myself and going on that it's risky Damn. yeah because going on splash mount is risky because you could end up getting completely soaked or you could just get really lucky and ride it enjoy everything and come off like dry or not that wet which is like the ideal situation for me so i, I just don't participate yeah, too much but it, yeah but splash Mountain is awesome and i know there's like the whole like negative stigma of like where uh, or w- what it's tied to you know song of the south and all that and, and i get that um but yeah, I, I i just um, <laughs> enjoy slash round because of um, what it reminds me of when I was younger and going to Disney with my parents and my cousins and my aunts and uncles. So it's like, you know, it it always holds us like a soft spot in my heart.
1: Oh yeah. And it's, it's a great attraction and I've definitely had fun on it. I've also had my days ruined by it (laughs) Um, because I just got so drenched and then like by the time that I like dried off, you know, I'm, I'm already, you know, like vastly uncomfortable. Yeah. But, um, It's uh, kind of a bummer, but, uh, you know, it, it's great. But when it comes to hot days, oh man, it feels great. If I, if I go to Disneyland and I know that I'm going to get on Splash Mountain, uh, I show up in like actual like board shorts or something and like, a, like a jersey or something that I know that I don't care about, like getting wet so that I can put that on and then I can like take it off, throw it in a bag or whatever. Uh, and then like be fine for like the rest of the day. Uh, and I don't get my day completely ruined, but it's gotta be a specific time of year, you know, gotta be like, I gotta be in the mood for it. So I definitely understand.
0: Yeah. One of the craziest times I I went on that ride, uh, it was me and my buddy Ben, we were on slash mountain and I was sitting directly behind Ben and we were, um, already uh, on the inside and we're just kind of going through and those random waves are splashing up into the log. And for some uh, weird reason, I I was like, you know, focusing on my my buddy Ben. And I saw this wave come up from the side, hit him in the head, knocks his glasses off and they go flying by me and I try to grab them as they're flying by my face. But it it all happened so fast. Like I missed his glasses and his glasses ended up getting lost somewhere in the water. Oh, yeah. And he was blind for the rest of the day and had to go home and like order new glasses uh, because he reported them to lost and found, but they just never found them. They're just gone forever. It was so wild.
1: Oh, that's such a bummer.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. That is
1: such a bummer. Oh man, I've never lost glasses, thankfully, at Disneyland, but I have lost a, uh, I have lost a money clip that had my entire life in it, um, and it was on my 22nd birthday. Damn. Uh, that's so a, that sucked badly, <laughs> that's a but bummer. you know, uh, I got it recovered the next day, which is great. But oh,
0: really? Somebody turned that, it in.
1: Yeah, somebody turned it in. I lost it on Autopia. Okay. It was, it, I was wearing these jeans that had a, uh, didn't have very deep pockets, and um, and uh, I was. it was like in my back pocket. It must have slipped out while I was like trying to adjust, because I'm a man of a rather large size, uh, so like getting into the Autopia vehicles can kind of suck, um, and I was like, I was in it, and I was like all weird, so I was trying to like position my legs and stuff. And as I was getting out, you know, I looked around to see if I, you know, had dropped anything or was leaving anything behind, didn't see it. Uh, and then later on left the park uh, to go like downtown Disney and say hello to a friend of mine. And I, my pass was gone. My ID was gone. I had cash in there and everything. So I was so bummed out. Uh, and when I reported it to uh lost and found, they're like, yep, yeah, no, we don't have anything. But uh, here's some like little meal vouchers or something like that that were worth like five bucks each or something like that that they give out five bucks. And uh, you
0: you can't go anywhere with that.
1: I know, but they gave me like a bunch of them. Okay. They gave me uh, they gave me a, a pretty decent amount, which was very cool. Um, and uh, that was that was very sweet. Uh, but the next day, I called at about eleven in the morning, and they're like, "Oh yeah, we, we have it right here. It's like silver, right?" got it recovered which is very cool but uh that was uh that was rough because like my grandfather gave me that money clip and he's no longer with us so i was uh, i was bummed but i i have it still and we're good but from that point on i never carried like an actual wallet or money clip or anything like i have like the keep my cards with my phone and stuff so i never lose it or drop anything
0: Okay. Hell yeah! No, th- th- that's awesome that they're able to re- recover that. The last time I lost something in Disney, I was actually on Indiana Jones, and at some point my phone, because I carried it in my back pocket, it must have like fell out somewhere. Because when I got off the attraction, I you know kind of just like padded my pants to make sure like I had my wallet, my keys, and when I went to go look right. for my phone, my phone wasn't there, and I was like, "Holy shit!" Like my phone's gone. So I uh, you know went to Lost and Found, let them know like, "Hey." Lost my phone on Indiana Jones. Like, if somebody finds it, like that, it's awesome. Like, just let me know. And they're like, yeah, like for sure. So luckily, I I have a work phone. So when I got home that night, I actually called my phone from my work phone to see if somebody had found it, um, see if they'll pick up. And my phone was ringing, and uh, somebody picked up. And it turns wow. out, by the time I had called it, it had already got turned into Lost and Found. So they're like, yeah, hey, sorry, right. this is uh, you know. Um, uh, you know so and so from uh, you know disney lost and found like we have your phone like uh you know you can come tomorrow and pick it up so i'm like all right hell yeah because like i was already stressed out i was like damn it i'm gonna have to drop like like money on a new phone which is uh, pretty expensive and like unexpected so right like, i wasn't like too happy about that but luckily they found my phone i went to the park right after work the next day and surprisingly like my phone was still like you know alive had battery life and like was wow. I was so stoked, and and also I, I I didn't have a case on my phone, and to my surprise, like it wasn't smashed, no cracks or anything. It was just in perfect condition. So like I don't even know where it went. It just got lost on the ride somewhere, and somebody found it and turned it in. That's,
1: in- that's insane. I would have freaked the fuck out if if uh, if I had lost my phone like that, uh, especially at Disneyland too. Like that's rough. Oh man but just glad you know that everything's all sorted out now that's great
0: yeah Um, I'm
1: still very glad that I haven't lost anything else that's valuable at Disneyland and I definitely take as many precautions as possible when I go now so Mm -hmm. hopefully that never happens again
0: yeah hopefully not but moving on to DCA (laughs) and I know there's not as many uh, attractions in DCA but I'm I'm curious like what are your top three things um, in DCA
1: okay So, uh, I am a huge Cars fan. Movies uh, and the land itself. Um, Like, because I remember Cars, when it came out, I was in love with it as a kid. and uh, Just absolutely, I was absolutely, sorry, I just saw some friends across the park that I'm at. (laughs) Um, And uh, anyway, so, big fan of Cars Land, especially at night. Like, I almost, sometimes I go just, to be there at night so i can take pictures and just be in that atmosphere and it's really immersive and very cool um however uh radiator swings racers is number two for me because i always go on little mermaid every time that i go to dca mm-hmm. so that's my number one uh so little mermaid being number one again i, I like the i like the experience and stuff like that it's just very nice and then when it, and then uh, Radio String Racers being number two. Uh, number three... See, like, I like Goofy's... Like, was it Sky School or Fly School? Fly School. I never... Right. I, I always, like, get it mixed up. But uh, I like that. However, being, like, a person who's, like, a bit bigger, sitting in that ride vehicle hurts my balls so fucking bad. So I would pick that if that didn't, like hurt me so bad you know what i mean mm-hmm. so i would have to say uh it's gonna sound stupid but i love the rollicking roadsters i love that attraction so much uh it's kind of stupid but i like it a lot uh so that would probably be my number three because i go on it so often
0: no no i i don't blame you i'm you know you, you mentioned how you're a huge fan of cars and, you know, I, it's awesome because people who are a fan of cars, they get their own land, which is amazing. The, the, the amount of detail that, that went into that land is amazing. And I, I can definitely appreciate that. So I, I definitely get it.
1: Oh, very cool. Yeah. 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 Sorry. Just, uh, ran to a couple friends, but, um, uh, but yeah, I, uh, I always go on like those three in particular, uh, every time I go. But, um, Hmm. you know when it comes to uh when it comes to the Incredicoaster, it's fun but i am not a fan of being thrown upside down like mm-hmm. i'm just not that kind of a ride person okay so i would have probably thrown that on my list as well but i don't know
0: okay well no, i'm i, I appreciate your list it's, it's always cool to hear like what what rides people like really like because obviously i'm um, we all have different tastes. So it's always fun to uh, be able yeah. to ask people and see what they're really into.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, I've never gotten to go to like Disney world or anything like that yet. Mm-hmm. I, I intend to once, you know, things open up and vacations can be planned and had once again. But, uh, you know, I've, that's, a, that's an experience that I, uh, have wanted to to live out for quite some time. So hopefully I can get out there and do a little, compare and contrast with uh, magic kingdom versus uh, Disneyland proper and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. It, it's definitely a, a good time. Like it, it's something like a newer thing for me. I started going to Disney world in 2016 and it, mm-hmm. it, it, it's definitely uh, a fun time. I love it out there. And there, there's things that I like about Disney world more than Disneyland and also things about Disneyland that I like more than Disney world. So it, it's something it's like a cool thing. And, Uh, I highly recommend it for, uh, for you since I know you're a Disney fan and you going out there, I I know you'd have a really great time.
1: Oh yeah. Big time. I, uh, yeah, man, I really can't wait, uh, to, to get out there at some point, but, um, it, it looks, it looks insane and I have family, but they, I have family like out that way or it's like my brothers, you know, other side of the family and stuff like that, that i would like to visit but they live out in miami so it would be kind of a kind of a trip out but you know it would be it'd be cool to get out there
0: yeah you could just like make like a whole thing out of it you could either like you know start in disney then go to miami or start in miami and then end in disney
1: can you repeat that one more time you kind of dropped off
0: oh that's fine i, I said you you could make a trip out of it like you, you could start uh in disney and end in miami or start in miami and end in disney
1: Definitely. That'd be cool. I need to talk to my brother and be like, Hey, uh, let's, let's get a trip going. But then again, he is also about to be a parent now. I think about it. So probably not going to happen. I'll make it happen myself, get some friends together or something. But, uh, yeah, that's something that I, that's a, that's a bucket list item for me for sure. Something I really want to do very badly, Mm -hmm. but I'll get to it one of these days
0: for sure. And I, I know you're a fan of the MCU.
1: Absolutely.
0: And I'm just curious, like, I, I know you, you mentioned to me that you listened to the episode I did with Colin and you wanted to yeah. talk about the movies.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's let's go through those rankings or just talk about whatever. Yeah, I'm down.
0: OK, well, yeah, it's to mention rankings. Like, let's start. Like, what are your top five MCU movies?
1: Oh, man, it's, it's tough. So um, I'll go five to one. Okay, I'll yeah. Go, Don't
0: uh, do what I did in one to five because I, I totally botched that when I was talking to Colin.
1: <laughs> I remember listening to that, uh, and I wasn't being critical, but I was, I was, I was, uh, I was waiting to hear a number five, and then Colin was like, "Bro, what are you doing?" <laughs>
0: yeah, no, it's all good. Um,
1: it, it had, had for a good laugh, but um, uh, let's see. Number five would probably be hmm. Damn, that's really tough. Uh, I would say Age of Ultron 5. Okay,
0: awesome. Um, great great uh, Avengers film. I think about the, the original absolutely. Avengers, and uh, that was a cool idea um, early on. And I like that they were able to do it again with um, Age of Ultron, and I feel like that one was like a little more fine-tuned, and I feel like that story holds up way better now than
1: the original Avengers. Oh, for sure. I think it, I think it does hold up a little bit more, especially because they, you know, started to, you know, like they brought in like, you know, your character, the same characters. They added, of course, you know, um, Wanda, of course, uh, uh, in that one as well. But the, uh, and back when Wanda actually had like this, like Russian accent before, you know, she phased it out and just went total, like sounding like she's from California. (laughs) Um, which is interesting if you like watch the movies, or if you like bookend it. So if you watch uh, Age of Ultron, then you watch uh, Infinity War or Endgame. Like she just went from having like this super thick like Russian or like like Eastern European like accent uh-huh. to now sounding like she's from like New York, California, or something like that. It's totally funny, but uh, either way, Age of Ultron, uh, incredible movie, really it is. Uh, it's not my absolute favorite, but it is infinitely quotable uh, because all of those Ultron quotes are insane. Like I want to like, like I want to like record them and throw them on a record or something like that for some belligerent ass band. I always thought that would be so cool if somebody used like the uh, like peace in our time speech and stuff like that would have been so cool on a record. So, Uh, so I love it for, for, uh, for Ultron specifically. Very, very good. Uh, number four would probably be... Um, hmm. Man, that's tough. I would say the original Iron Man.
0: Okay, for sure. That, that, probably that. the
1: original Iron Man. Kicked everything off, showed Tony Stark in his like most like raw form how you know the comics really show him to be uh you know he's like misogynistic and he's got like no regard for anybody but himself uh you know he's doesn't really care about too much um you know and it's cool to see that he has like this it's cool to see the beginning of his character arc it's really really cool um so i love it for that uh and the fact that it really kicked everything off. Um, Uh,
0: One bummer for me when it comes to Iron Man, he's my favorite superhero. And uh, granted, the second and third weren't the best, um, but I still enjoy them. I was always hoping for Tony or Robert Downey Jr. to get another solo film just so they could kind of cap it off. Because you look at um, how he progressed and how much tech he had by the time uh, they were at Endgame. I was, I, I was always yeah. just so sad that they couldn't just give him one more movie where they could just do like a legit like final Iron Man story and just have like, you know, some some of like, you know, his other I- iconic villains and just show off more of, um, you know, his uh, personal tech It's it just always just, like so sad to me that I, I never got that out of uh, Robert. Downey Jr. Yeah.
1: yeah, that's true. I mean, more Tony Stark, the better. Uh, especially because of Robert Downey Jr. Because he is just so perfect for that role. Um, Because the thing is that when it came to playing Tony Stark, he was just kind of throwing a lot of himself into the role. He was just like, I'm going to play this as a, a version of myself. And it shows because when he's just talking and having interviews or you know talking to people wherever, he just sounds like that. He talks like that. He kind of acts a little bit like that. It's really cool to see. So uh, seeing that character just flow so naturally from an actor is also very refreshing. So if we could have had more Iron Man, I would have been absolutely stoked. But from what we do have, you know, lesser movies aside, like three and two, frankly, um, happy with what we got. Um, Well, let's see. These the, the the top three are the are the ones that that are difficult. Okay. Um. Because I want to say Winter Soldier because it was so well done and it was just it was just such a great movie. But at the same time, uh, you know I gotta give it to hmm. Uh, I'm kind of going at war with myself right now, deciding between another, you know, umpteen movies <laughs> to going through the the rolodex in my head. Um, I would probably, I'll, I'll go with Winter Soldier because it's because it's so well done and it's such a great film. But the top two uh, are the ones that probably top a lot of people's list at this point. Number two being Infinity War, and number one being Endgame one being Endgame because I have never bawled so much in a movie theater.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Uh, not even for you know like a very sad film. Like I, I shed so many tears of joy, uh, sadness of you know dread and uh, and more and more joy. Uh, never shed, shed that many tears in a in a movie theater for a film. Uh, for anything else than. Um, none more so, rather than Endgame. Because it was just such an emotional movie. I mean, you see that, you, you see, it, it goes over, it goes across City Field where the uh, the New York Mets play. And it's, I, at least I think it's City Field. But anyway, empty. New York is like dreadful. Uh, everyone's just so sad. And so, such like a, a down portion of the film um and then it just kicks into gear right away well not right away but like once it kicks into gear it doesn't let the foot off the gas for a while um and just with all of the the deaths and the the stakes being so high and tense throughout the whole thing uh man like i've i've never uh until then I had never been so pleased with like going to see a movie uh for a first experience seeing an actual film, you know what I mean? Because it's like when you go see a movie a franchise film like that or like if you go see Star Wars or something like that, first time you're usually pretty like pleased, but I have never been so pleased right off the bat with a movie before. Um so that's why it gets my number one uh, Infinity War gets my number two because initially it was my number one uh, for the same reasons. It was so emotional. It packed so much of a punch to the gut right at the end, and it and once you know everyone starts to turn into ash and dust and stuff like that, the movie just cuts off, and it's like that's it until a year from now, and. Uh, I remember leaving the theater the first time I saw it just bawling my eyes out. Cause I watched Spider-Man like be afraid to die and say he was sorry and stuff. Like I don't know a single soul who didn't like shed at least one tear for, for Peter Parker in that moment. But those are my, those are my two and one right there.
0: Yeah, no, I, I definitely respect that. I, I'm a uh, huge fan of, Those two movies, and like I mentioned in the Colin podcast, um, talking about Infinity War, walking out of the theater feeling like we lost because obviously we're like supposed to side with the good guys or whatever. And I I was just thinking, like, wow, like they really ended the movie that way and are going to make us wait a whole year, a whole calendar year to figure out how this whole thing wraps up. It was so insane. And then even leading up to, Uh, Endgame, I'm like a huge sucker for spoilers. I'm like on Reddit and just trying to figure out, you know, reading all the leaks and uh, like finding out like, you know, like what could be real and like what couldn't. So by the time I
1: follow all that stuff too deep, deep.
0: Yeah. So uh, like leading up to Endgame and knowing that the movie is going to play out like one of three ways and like getting to find out who what was actually truthful with these leaks and what was actually complete like garbage was uh definitely like a fun thing for me but going in and like you know uh seeing uh you know things that lined up across all three uh leaks and like knowing okay like if, if all three of them are saying this is has to be true so knowing like you know um who's gonna die before it happened just like f- like, I, like even knowing beforehand that uh iron man was gonna die i it still didn't prepare mm-hmm. me for what that scene was And it just was such a bummer and it just made me so sad and like, oh God, like even thinking about it now, like, like I, I, I've seen it since I watched it in the theaters like once or twice, just because I'm such a diehard Iron Man fan, just knowing that uh, his run comes to an end like that. Um, it's definitely epic because he, he did it for you know for everybody Absolutely. and and it's not the first time he saved um, all the Avengers in the entire world but th- the fact that he did it and went out like the way he did was just like such a bummer but I get it and it's just so sad to me and obviously like it, it does um, you know uh, that whole movie took me on a whole like you know like roller coaster emotions because uh, like you think about where this whole thing started and you're like holy shit like we're here at the end like the culmination of this entire thing uh, and, and, and the way they wrapped it up it was like super epic like you know even like the early stages of that movie uh, having Thanos getting his head cut off which was like so insane because you're like holy shit this is a- oh
1: yeah right yeah. off the bat yeah dude. you're just
0: like holy shit this is like supposed to be like you know family friendly like Disney's Disney style stuff but like they're like no fuck that like we're gonna make sure like we're, they're gonna show you that this still can be intense and they chopped off his head it's crazy
1: I know it's, it's yeah. and then there's like what did you do bro and then it's just like I went for the head and then he's Turns into Big Lebowski for the rest of the movie, which I loved. I I, I was down with uh, with uh, thick Thor. I was definitely down with that because I was like, you know what? I'm a big man. It's cool to see that on screen. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, um, yeah. But uh, it
1: was funny. But.
0: Yeah, and uh, love that movie so much. So yeah, definitely respect your top five. Uh, and and I, I'm definitely looking forward to you know the next uh, you know generation of MCU Save. movies. Like we have like so many cool things lined up, like when it comes to uh, new movies, like new superheroes getting like some new light and then we're getting all those Disney plus TV shows. So I'm super stoked to see like what yeah. lies ahead for this whole universe that's been created.
1: I'm really excited to specifically to see Shang-Chi. That's going to be fun. And, uh, and you know they're bringing back the the 10 rings and I don't know if they're going to, you know, link it directly to the, t- how the 10 rings were in the comics versus how it was in the MCU prior, because, and as we know from watching, uh, first Iron Man and from watching, um, Iron Man three with the, the Mandarin, not exactly what I thought we were going to get with the Mandarin, but you know, the 10 rings in the comics being 10 actual rings, like if the Mandarin is power. And then in, um, the MCU being like the Ten Rings gang It's like this crime syndicate type of thing. Um, so I don't know how it's going to tie into one or the other, but I'm excited to see how it's going to do so. Uh, and it's cool because Shang Chi completely slept on the hero. You know, it's it's one of those uh, deep cuts that uh, that the MCU and Marvel Studios like bringing into the into the fold. Because I remember when they were going to put out Guardians of the Galaxy. I was like, what? You know, like it was kind of a shock because I was like, of all the IP that Marvel can choose from, they're choosing guardians of the galaxy. And I was excited because I was like, cool, it's going to be in space and it's going to be cool and get to see rocket and stuff like that. And, uh, they ended up becoming a huge fan favorite and those films are great. I'm a huge fan of those two, uh, of, uh, both volumes one and two. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's it, that's going to be very cool. Um, kind of bummed that COVID came and made the slate push back uh, a solid six months or so for all of the films except for Spider-Man Three.
0: Yeah, it was only a bummer. I, I was looking forward to to um, you know, been watching Mulan, Black Widow, but you know, who knows when that gonna right. come out.
1: Yeah, we should have seen. Uh, black widow this month like a couple weeks ago but they pushed it back to november which was shang chi's date and then shang chi got pushed back like another six months to replace another movie Uh, i think that shang chi took the space of the eternals for next year and then the Eternals took got pushed back another six months as well so the bummer, but it's also kind of a nice breather considering that we were getting so many different MCU films. I'm here for it, but at the same time, like sometimes you can, the market can get a little bit saturated, and then you kind of need a, a palate cleanser in there. But yeah, you I, know, once it gets back going, very excited.
0: I I was reading this article a couple of weeks ago how in uh, 2022. Um, like, we're going to get hit with this, like, marathon of, like, MCU movies, which I'm, like, right. looking at it and I'm like, holy shit, like, this is going to be super insane. Cause, uh, I, I think in, like, 42 days, like, we're going to, um, or in, uh, 2022, like, like, within, like, a 42 day period, there's going to be just, like, a, just like, a marathon of, like, all these MCU movies dropping since, like, you know, things got pushed back wow. and things had to get, like, rescheduled. So, like, that year is just going to be insane for the MCU.
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I I I read something similar. Uh, I can't remember what the movies are specifically. You know what are now slated for 2022. I know that one of them is Spider-Man Three. Uh, but other than that, I don't know what the others are. But either way, I'm very excited. That's going to be a very fun like month and a half or so, something like that. Uh, 42 days and just have like a marathon of like new like MCU and other movies like that coming out all at the same time is going to be hell on my wallet, but I can't wait. Yeah. Disney can take all of my money. They already do anyway, so they can just keep on taking it.
0: <laughs> For sure. I'm, I'm definitely just looking back to, or looking forward to getting back to going to the movies. Cause that was like something that I really enjoy doing is just going out and, you know, yeah. and just kind of getting to relax and, you know, I don't mind spending money on the overpriced snacks. I feel like it's just part of the gig. Uh, but I'm just definitely yeah, forward to point, getting back actually. to that routine.
1: Right. Yeah, the last movie that I went and saw in the, the theater before this all happened was Birds of Prey. Okay. Uh, did, did Did you go see that at all?
0: I did. I actually saw that opening night.
1: Okay. Well, what were your thoughts on it? Like, what did you think?
0: Uh, I, I thought it was uh, probably like unnecessary to title the movie Birds of Prey they could have just called it like you know yeah. like Harley Quinn which is fine Harley
1: Quinn yeah or like Harley Quinn and Birds of Prey just call it that So like it's like second billing um,
0: but overall I, I felt like it was a great film i i I enjoyed it uh front to back i i didn't have a whole lot of complaints um uh about the movie when i watched it and kind of took a step back to kind of soak it in and think about it i I felt like the the director I, i i forget her name uh she I felt like she took a lot of inspiration from Deadpool One, which is totally fine. Because I hate Deadpool. Oh, yeah. I, I hate Deadpool as a character, but I can't deny that that first movie was really awesome and like so true. You don't like
1: Deadpool as a character?
0: No, I'm not a fan. Not a fan.
1: Interesting. Interesting. Why is that? Not to derail from the initial part of the conversation, but uh, why is that oh, just I'm not coming
0: at you for it? but I'm just N- curious. No, it's all good. Um, I, I'm just not into like his humor. Like I, I don't like the jokes, the way that he's written in, in the comic books. Like the only time I've ever enjoyed reading anything Deadpool was uh, Rick Remender's um, uncanny X-Force. Um, right. Yeah. So I, I just like, I've tried, but it's just not my cup of tea. Like like I said, like, I'm just not into that kind of humor. Uh, so I, I, I'm just, yeah, I, I've tried multiple times to like read, uh, Deadpool books written by different writers and it just never clicks with me.
1: That's totally fair. That makes, that makes sense. So yeah, I, uh, I feel you on that. But, uh, but as you were saying about, uh, of Prey though, how she kind of took a lot of, uh, inspiration from the first Deadpool movie.
0: Yes. I, I, I felt like I, I could see that in just the way how Harley Quinn would just like, you know, uh, break the fourth wall and just uh, just the way the story is being told, how it would just like kind of time skip back and forth, which is uh, totally fine by my book. It, it's a pretty interesting way to uh, put things together. Uh, but yeah. that, that's what I got, um, you know, stepping away from it. And uh, another thing is, like, I, I watched that movie and seeing the, uh, you know, praise that God, I I'm a, you know, avid uh looker on rotten tomatoes so i'll go and just uh, check to see what uh, it gave it and like it's not the be all end all for me like i'll go and just kind of let it uh kind of set the barometer for me then i'll go and watch it and i'll decide if it was uh you know uh, correct or incorrect in my mind uh so when i saw that it got like a pretty high score for a dc film i'm like all right this is like pretty interesting and then i went and watched it and i was like all right cool this is like deserving of like that higher score and it always puzzles me absolutely and I'm always puzzled when I I look at these uh, DC films and like Suicide Squad, Batman or Superman, and it, I just don't get how movies like uh, Birds of Prey, uh, Joker can do so well, but the other movies can't. And I'm just like, I feel like it's so simple and they're just not doing it right. And it's just like, aggravates me because like i i'm i've like admitted i'm like more of like a marvel fanboy over dc but i still enjoy the dc stuff like right. I, I read dc comic books uh but but it just blows my mind that superheroes like superman batman can't get it right when it comes to film and, and it just doesn't make sense to me why
1: yeah i think the re- i think what like when it comes to the EU in particular not that it i mean at this point it's hardly even uh, a shared universe because they're kind of uh, trying to right their wrongs as far as that goes. But I think what happened with the DCEU is that um, like, I liked Man of Steel, although I felt like, you know, uh, as far as, you know, the the tone goes with Superman, it was a bit dark when it comes to that character in particular. Um, I like, you know, grit in my film and stuff like that. But, uh, When it came to Superman, I was like, that doesn't quite seem right, you know. Uh, We kind of have this idea of what you know Superman is or what Superman uh, represents, stuff like that, and didn't quite hit the nail on the head for me there. But I thought it was okay, Um, and I liked how BVS was going to tie it in to the like the the last act of uh, Man of Steel with like, um, you know, their tearing through Metropolis and Bruce Wayne looks up and sees that and thinks he's a menace or whatever. I get it. Um, But I think what they were doing is they were trying to play catch up with Marvel. They saw what Marvel studios was doing with their shared universe uh, of films and stuff like that and how well they were doing it. Um, But they were just, they were just trying, they were moving at too, too high a pace. So they have man of steel and then they're like, this did well look at what Marvel's doing. Let's do, let's bring Batman into this, but let's not give him his own film. Let's have this be Batman versus Superman. Uh, and, uh, and then right off the bat, they're just like, Oh, you know what? Let's, we're going to do justice league right into this. Like they went and started filming justice league. Not long after BBS finally dropped. Um, you know, they went rushed right into production and they're trying to play catch up with the Avengers. That's what it seems. To, that's that's what seems to be the case, uh, you know, through my eyes at least. And I think that's why they ultimately suffered so much, because if they had taken the time to revise their scripts, you know, find the direction uh, they really wanted to tackle, and you know, just kind of commit to a vision, then that would have been infinitely better and the movies would have been infinitely better in my opinion Um, but you know it just uh, didn't quite work out that way and seems like where the MCU takes their time and obviously they weren't trying to play catch up with any competitor shared universe Um, they took time they took care and they had somebody at the top who was like Kevin Feige who was saying, like, hey, this is what we're going to do, this is how we're going to do it, and then kind of overseeing the production of everything and making sure that everything you know flows smoothly. Um, and that's something that DC could really benefit from if they want to continue to, to do so. Um, I think they're starting to find their footing a little bit with uh, Birds of Prey, starting to find their footing a little bit with uh, Shazam. I actually really like Shazam. Um, but you know, it's, uh, and also Aquaman and the first Wonder Woman, great movies. Um, excited to, to see what they're going to do with Wonder Woman 84. Uh, it's interesting. I don't know how it's going to be, but interesting, interested in what that's going to show. But, um, I think that's where DC falls off is they, they rushed themselves and they didn't take care. And that's what you need to do, especially if you're going to try and string together so much IP and just try and pack it all into three movies, basically. Introduce so many characters in three movies and call it. It's like, that's rough. And in such a sh- short amount of time, too. So, you know. Yeah. I, hopefully they learned their lesson.
0: I, I felt like DC was like, all right, cool. In Batman versus Superman, we're going to drop these little Easter eggs and that could be the introduction of these new characters when it comes to Aquaman flash cyborg, wonder woman. Uh, and they're just like, all right, like let's do it there. And then we can just come out with the justice league movie because all those characters are so I- iconic. People will already know and we won't have to um, give them their own films leading up to it, uh, which I think was like definitely the wrong approach. Uh, so exactly. So, I'm still of the the idea that they should try to build this universe, Uh, and and I know like a lot of people, and I have a lot of friends that are against it. They're like, "Oh, like like why can't they just get away from that and just keep doing movies like Joker uh, and just kind of have them like you know just their own thing?" And I'm like, I'm like, why would you want to not do that when you have this rich universe that you can tap into i i feel like that that is the move and like uh whatever copying marvel whatever like like it it happens like you know two separate uh you know companies but if they did it right i feel like they could easily marvel or excuse me easily rival what marvel is doing if it's done right and you mentioned shazam I, i i think that that movie was awesome uh, also, yeah, kind of, it was fun. Yeah, yeah, it was, and it was a whole different vibe. Like, like definitely still a part of like this whole universe, but it it didn't have to be, you know, gritty. It, it just kind of like took its own approach and like you know was like you know a little more like um, on the comedy side, uh, feel good, and it, it was great. Like I I enjoyed that movie a lot, like way more than I thought I would.
1: Yeah, lots of levity.
0: Yeah, so I I just hope that they can get it together. Like I, I'm really interested to see what this new Batman's gonna be like. Uh, Wonder Woman should have been out by now, um, if it wasn't for yeah. the pandemic. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping there's a bright future for these DC films. Uh, I, I know there's been a lot of hype recently because they announced that the Snyder cuts happening on HBO Max, which is cool. I'm interested to see if these like you know fabled cuts of movies are actually going to be good. And so I'm really interested in keeping my eye out for that. So I, I, I really do hope that uh, you know a couple of years from now we'll look back at um, this current state of DCEU and laugh and, you know, be able to enjoy like more like in-depth and rich, like, you know, and a more cohesive, like, you know, unit, like when it comes to the DCEU. Right.
1: Yeah. And, you know, again, it's like all you can really do is like hope for the best. Um, Hopefully they, they, you know, in the intervening years between, uh, you know, uh, Justice League, and how that flopped. I mean, it made a lot of money, <laughs> so it wasn't a financial flop per se, but it's, uh, as far as a quality film, or at least a uh, a movie that we all wanted to enjoy, which isn't exactly a whole lot to ask for, it didn't quite deliver. Um, and I'm no filmmaker, obviously, I'm no screenwriter, this, that, and the other, it's not my, not my thing, of course, but as a fan, and as somebody who, you know, knows what at least goes into is familiar, at least what goes into like the development of a, of a film or, you know, trying to string stories together. Uh, they could, they, hopefully they would have benefited from, uh, you know, learning a thing or two from Marvel in the intervening years between, um, justice league and, uh, uh Harley Quinn. I'm not even going to call it birds of prey anymore. Cause it just doesn't make any sense. It's a Harley Quinn movie featuring a couple other people. Um, although I really did like the Huntress in that movie because she had like, uh, she had like these like quirky well not not quirky, but she had these uh, very like these bouts of dry humor that I just thought were super funny. Like where she's like practicing calling herself the Huntress in the mirror. Mm-hmm. I thought that was hilarious.
0: Yeah, no, that movie oh, okay. that movie made me want one of those like egg sandwiches by the end of it.
1: I know, right? I was sitting there going just like, dude, like, I, I want, because she was, like, talking about, like, was like bacon on her or something like that, and I was like, dude, I don't even eat meat anymore, but this sounds so fucking good, like, even if she's saying, like, oh, but there's, like, hair on it, and it's disgusting, it's perfect, and I'm like, yep, now I'm hungry as fuck, and, uh, you're not doing me any favors there, Harley Quinn, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Well, Jay. Yeah. This has seriously been awesome. I'm stoked that we we're finally able to have you on the, co- on the podcast, excuse me, and you know down to talk about your band and all this Disney and MCU of stuff. Course. So I, 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 seriously appreciate you being down to come on the podcast and before we sign off, is there anything you want to shout out or plug?
1: Uh, well, first I want to thank you for having me on. I appreciate you. You're a good friend and a big fan of the podcast. So being on is definitely a pleasure of mine. Uh, I just want to give a quick shout out to, uh, you know, all the bands in California that are holding it down, you know, absence of Mind, Dare, drain scowl Jawstruck, So many others that are just out here doing the damn thing, holding it down for California hardcore. It's a, uh, it's a, it's a cool family to be a part of. So if you haven't already, and you're under a rock, go listen to them. Uh, also shameless plug stream, the brighter side. It's, uh, on apple music spotify uh, i believe you can find it on youtube as well but those are the two uh the two platforms we can listen to it uh and just stay tuned because we're we're working on new stuff so you know keep your eye out and ears out
0: all right well seriously thank you guys again for listening and make sure uh go check out the new playlist that's curated 100 by me and it'll be updated regularly called hardcore caviar i'll tweet out, Instagram, all the links for that. So make sure to go check that out. Thank you, Jay, for coming on. And thank you guys all for listening. This has been another episode of the Jamie RK podcast, always on top.